The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we'll discuss best of the Super Junior 29 Night 327 and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.US today for details. Young boy, we had a lot of best of the Super Junior action to watch this past week. Were you able to keep up with the the high-paced action this past week? You think that I can't keep up with high-paced action? You think that I'm going to gas out or you know, get fucking blown up by this pace. No way, bro. Of course <laughs> I kept up. I'm a workhorse. I, I had no doubt, but I just, had, I just had to make sure, you know, sometimes even the workhorses, they, they, they get a little tired. They, they need to make a hot tag. You know, they need, they need some help. Listen, man, I go, I can go 60 minutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're a Broadway man. I go Broadway. I go all night long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But, no, I'm glad to be on the show. Glad to talk about New Japan with you. I uh, I instructed Jeremy this week to say anything to me other than, young boy, how you doing? And uh, I liked that transition. I think we should keep that up. Yeah, it's a little, little challenge because it's been my, my go-to now for a while now. It's been, young boy, how you doing? And just Yeah, well, you know, sometimes change is good, you know. It's time for a change. Enough is enough. <laughs> It is time enough for is a change. <laughs> you notice I got my, uh, the, the audience at home can't see, but I got my Rainy Days Okada shirt. Yes, look, looking very nice there. Yeah, I couldn't wear this for a while. It's a large, and there was a period of time where, like, this, it, it didn't look good. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm starting to get into the, uh, 
the large territory pretty soon. Medium's next, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, show, show the guns off real nice. Yeah, but then after that, I'm going to balk and cultivate mass and then be a heavyweight again. So, you know, I'm just going to keep yo-yoing between the two over and over and over again. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way to do it, man. <laughs> how, how have you been doing? You uh, been able to keep up with all this uh, wrestling? It's a fucking lot. Yeah, it's been a lot, and this weekend was kind of crazy. I was out of town on a work trip, plus I started getting sick, um, so I'm still re- recovering a little bit from that. So if you guys might know. You got the my, vid? I did not get the vid. Um, just uh, flu, like flu-like symptoms and cough, but I'm pretty much over it now. Still a little stuffed up. You can probably hear it in my voice a little bit, and if you hear me mute randomly, I, I might cough, but Besides that, I'm doing a lot better, but I, I was able to keep up um, and see all the New Japan, all this Best Super Junior stuff that's been going on, especially with today's uh, Double Block show that uh, aired earlier this morning. was able to get that watch in time. Well, you know, um, I wish we would be more astute. I'm sure you are. I'm not trying to lump you in with my uh, lackadaisicalness when it comes to just like the scheduling and everything, but... Um, I wasn't really aware that going forward for the remainder of the tournament, it's nothing but tournament matches. Yeah, I said said that. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't be listening when you talk. I wait for my (laughs) turn to talk. I just think of the good stuff I'm going to say. You know, that's why I can listen back to the show because half the time I didn't listen to you. So then when I go back, I'm like, damn, Jeremy's got some good points there. I wish I, uh," you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just playing. But um, for whatever reason, that flew over my head the first time and um now i'm like like good thing i'm in a place in my life where like i'm not letting the ups and downs of like bipolarism you know ruin me i've got a i got a fuck look at this jeremy let me let me just show you i got <laughs> you can hear the paper crinkling right here look at this thing this is a schedule my guy look right there i've got the days for the de- different super juniors all locked in you know i've got a schedule being kept so i can uh you know give the audience what they want to hear which is our ratings takes and opinions which are not a game that's right we take ratings takes and opinions very seriously here on this show and in the social suplex podcast network yeah we we might not take the audio that seriously i might be like rustling papers and you might hear like a little bit of a a clink of a glass when i'm imbibing but uh you know when it comes to the ratings, mm-mm. which, by the way, that reminds me, your ratings, way too high. Way, way, way too high. Mm. I've been looking at your ratings. You're marking out for this tournament. You're <laughs> loving what you're seeing. Okay? And I think it's good, but oh, four and a half, four and a quarter. Well, I, I haven't given oh. anything four and a half yet. <laughs> the highest I've gone is four and a quarter, and that was one match. <laughs> no, I saw like six four and a quarters. I'm like, what is this man nah, doing? Dude, I've, only, I've only given one four and a quarter. Don't, don't even try that. Also, Teton and L. Lindemann, we're going to get to it, but that was, like, one of the best matches of the tournament. I think you gave that shit, like, three and a half. Like, get out of here. This is crazy. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but first, we have an interesting uh, piece of feedback here from uh, mm. Reddit user JPJ Tour Diary. It says, no question but a request. Speak more slowly and enunciate. I don't want to hear you talk about Franskira. You guys have the best New Japan podcast around, hands down. But the mush mouth makes it really hard to listen. Thank you. Who's Franskira? So he's saying that 
I think he's Francesco Akira. Yeah, I think he's specifically saying that I combine people's names. Um, Josh, we've, I mean, we've been doing this show. This is what uh, episode two hundred and thirty-four. We've done this every week. Have you had a hard time understanding any wrestler's name that I say to you? No. For him to even call that out is, like, kind of fucked up. I've never had any complaints about anything that we say on the show. If anything, I'm the one that's talk, that talks fast and also uses nonsense words that don't actually, like, apply. I use words incorrectly all the time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, sorry, man. I'm glad you like the show, but, uh, you know... It, it is what it is. You know, you're going to get the raw, the real from us, and we're going to say what we say. And I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you don't like the way we say Franskira, like, from now on, his name is Franskira. So, <laughs> like, don't be surprised if for the remainder of the time he's working in this company, we refer to him as Franskira. So you're welcome. Yeah, that's, that's his new name going forward. And, yeah, hopefully you, you enjoy that for the rest of your listening experience. Yeah. What the fuck? And uh, one last thing before we get started, I just want to do a quick uh, plug. So this week I made an appearance on the Bible is Funny podcast with my buddy Anthony Russo. And I talked about pro wrestling on there. So if you want to figure out how the heck pro wrestling and a comedy Bible podcast work together, check it out. Bible is funny. It's a good listen. Did you talk about HBK? You know, I, I, did, not, I did mention HBK, but not <laughs> I did not mention that, that match of... Uh, Vincent Shane versus uh, HBK and quote unquote God. You know, while we're on the uh, subject of plugging things, maybe I should, uh, I never did plug. So recently back on May 7th, I was on meet the press slam here on the social suplex podcast network with Danny Kugler. Uh, so, you know, we did like a, a little interview. So if you guys want to check that out, that's also available out there. I don't know why I never told anybody about it. <laughs> We'd be out here doing shit, you know? Yeah, man. Well, let's jump into this Super Junior action here. Uh, so first, kind of start it off, we have a question here from Rambone Slam Pig. He says, what do you think about the booking of outside talent in this year's Best of Super Junior? I know that they are usually taken pretty good care of, but it seems like all of them are being handled exceptionally well this year. Do you agree? I would say so. Um you know, we, we had a lot of speculation about who would be treated in what particular ways and how outside politics and connections might affect the booking across the board for all of these outsiders. And um, generally speaking so far, I think, you know, business is about to pick up with all these, uh, you know, multi-night matches and everything like that. But uh, so far, it's been pretty parody-based. Um I would say almost everybody has that's an outsider has to some degree overachieved. The only individual, and there's still a lot of time left in this tournament, the only individual who maybe isn't, um, and I don't even want to say performing, but booking-wise isn't necessarily being booked the way that I maybe speculated they would is um, Wheeler, Utah, which you know I kind of thought based on the AEW connection and some of the things we see in the past that he might just get skyrocketed in this tournament. And not to say he's not going to finish strong, because I still think that's a strong likelihood, but he's the only individual that has uh, not met the expectations of what I thought the booking would uh, reflect. Everybody else has kind of over 
achieved, in, um, you know, including many of the even like the New Japan US guys. The oh, oh, and you know what? The only other one, Clark Connors. Clark Connors is the one guy where I sort of thought that they'd give him more, and he's kind of gone. You know, he's one and three at this point, which I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, I was also very surprised too with Clark Connors. You know. He seems, you know, there's they say on commentary that he is still on excursion, but he's graduated from the dojo. He has a gimmick. He has a nickname. He has, you know, music, new gear, whatever. I would think that, yeah, he would get a little bit more, but ultimately he's been treating like a young lion for the most part. I mean, opening matches, uh, good matches, but losing. Um, yeah. And, you know, in this tournament, they didn't have a designated young lion to sort of be the pin eater. I don't think he's necessarily that because he has picked up a victory here. Maybe there's still a story being told, but um, you know, I thought that they're going to slot him similar to like, mm, like Jonathan Gresham a few years ago, a guy that like goes, you know, 65% win and, you know, has good matches in the middle. And, and so far he's been losing most of the opening matches. Yeah. And also, I agree with you, too, on your point about Wheeler, Utah. I know I predicted I thought he was going to get the John Moxley G1 push where he goes out the gate, right. gets, you know, six wins and loses the last three, still ends up with 12 points, and that's how he gets out of it. I mean, at this point, he still can end up with uh, 12 points, but it has been very surprising to see that him, uh, you know, eat a couple of losses thus far and going, you know, 50-50 in a lot of these matchups. You know, one thing before we move to the next question, you know – I listen to this show on 2.0 speed and I can understand everything we say. Maybe I have a trained ear, but like when I listen on 1.0, I think we talk too slowly. Bro, same here. I listen to all podcasts on 1.5. And if I ever put a podcast to 1.0, it sounds like we are talking like this. Yeah, I get annoyed at us when I'm listening on 1.0. I'm like, why do we have so much dead space? And why do we have so many ums and uhs and, you know, stuff like that? So I actually feel – I've been thinking about it. I'm like, man, I feel the opposite way about us. I feel like we we need to talk faster and, clear, you know, maybe clearer, I guess, but faster. I don't know. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so uh, Rambones also asks, he says, the tournament so far has been consistently good, but it has lacked the blow-away standout matches of years past. Would you rather have a consistent consistent but lower peak tournament or an uneven tournament with a match of the year contenders mixed in? Well, you know, one thing I've noticed is so far, up until today's show, most of the shows... Um, excluding a few of the early ones have kind of been in their smaller, more rural regional sort of environments with smaller attendances. And that might be a a large reason why it's been that way. Um, Moving forward, it looks like they're moving into larger buildings. They still got two more Corkin nights. They've got a, you know, a big, big final coming up and, you know, stacked, uh, you know, rosters, plus, you know, the, the rumors about the potential lifting of the uh, noise-making ban as well is kind of on the horizon. So I, I think a lot of that is going to motivate them to have some of those, you know, standout matches that have kind of been lacking in the tournament. But regardless, I do want to say that the tournament has been, A, an extremely easy watch, B, an interesting watch, lots of stories, uh, lots of, you know, um, 
kind of just different arcs that are are being played out throughout the tournament, surprise victories, um, you know, and no bad matches hardly at all, uh, aside from unless, you, you know, the show and the yo and the Taguchi shit. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, everyone's really got their working boots on. So I think that the tournament's been very good. Um, as far as answering your question, would I rather have a consistent but lower peak tournament? or an uneven tournament with match of the year contenders mixed in. Um, I'm going to say if I only had to choose one of those two, I would rather have a consistent but lower peak tournament. But that's not, you know, probably not everybody feels that way. I think a lot of people would rather have an inconsistent tournament with, you know, the high end match of the year, uh, my belief, though, is that we're still going to get some of those high-end caliber matches coming up in the near future. I don't think that, you know, the tournament's done or things are washed or, you know, this has been an abject failure or anything like that so far at all. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the tournament has been very good, very enjoyable. Um, pretty much most matches in that, you know, three to four-star range, you're getting some fun main events, some fun first-time matchups, seeing a lot of guys get over with the Japanese crowd. It's been a very entertaining, very engaging tournament to keep up with thus far. Um, as far as to answer this question, I'm a little bit torn because um, I, I want those match of the year contenders. I guess it depends, you know, how uneven are we talking about? Um, you know, is it kind of a, right. uh, you have a super low night and then you come back with a great night full of bangers. Is it, you mm. know, half a tournament sucks, then the second half's good. Um, so I guess it depends on how uneven it is, but I think the, the safer bet would be to have a tournament that is consistently good. Um, even if that, I guess the peak is four stars. If you had a tournament with the peaks, four stars and it's consistently good, I think that would probably overall probably be better in the long run than a tournament of like all majority threes and then one four and a half. Yeah. You bring up a good point there. I mean, it's hard to say based on those criteria. I mean, again, how uneven are we talking about? We're talking about really low lows and then really high highs and then nothing good in the middle. I mean, without, without like more of a uh, defined definition of those, it's hard to say. One thing I do want to point out, aside from all the things that we've already, you know, commented on, the audiences have generally been very engaged with what's going on. Um, even though they still can't make noise, I mean, the excitement level has been a lot more palpable the the engagement with the clapping and the stomping and then even some of the audible like gasps and oohs and ahs you can just tell like this style of wrestling really does resonate well even with some of the limitations and then you know the the inclusion of outsiders the inclusion of surprises the inclusion of um you know um just all the flips and this style just kind of translates very well, even in the, um, you know, COVID regulated audience, you know, situation. Yeah. Crowd has been loving it. There's been a ton of dives, wrestlers falling into uh, fans laps and uh, lots of, like you mentioned a lot of gas. So the crowd's definitely getting into it and you can tell, like, you know, if they were allowed to cheer, it'd be like old times and we'd be getting all the crazy cheers and chants, especially in Cork in today's show. Would have probably yeah. would have been super loud, and all the inclusion of first time matches. That's the other thing I was thinking of there, where yeah. 
you know, they haven't seen a lot of these guys face off before. So, I mean, even that is just very exciting. Yeah. Well, now let's take a look at the the rankings. We're going to go over each competitor and kind of talk about what they did through nights three through seven. So we'll start with the A block, and we'll start at the top of the block with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori, comes in with eight points. He is 4-0 undefeated on night three. He defeated Taguchi. Night five, he defeated Alex Zane. And then on today's show, night seven, he defeated Sho. Yeah, so, I mean, Ishimori has had uh, one, maybe two uh, main events, but I think for the most part, he's hovering in that, like, semi-main event slot most of the nights. And, um, you know, as you can see here, averaging about 12 minutes per match, so not really necessarily overstaying his welcome. He's been extremely consistent, you know, perfect record in this block so far, so he's the guy everyone's gunning for. No potential title defenses have been set up just yet. Um, and obviously with him being the champion, the, the likelihood that he goes to the final is extremely slim. Um, so he is due a loss or two here in the near future. And, you know, it is kind of fun and interesting to uh, speculate who is left in this field that he hasn't faced that really poses uh, a major potential threat. And you look at the names he's beaten. I mean, Taguchi, Zane, Show. For the most part, those are some of the safer uh, guys that you would assume he would get past, anyways. Yeah, and night uh, night one he beat Yo. Right now, out of all those matches, he's like I said, he's been very consistent. He's been performing really well. I don't think that there's necessarily been too many matches where I'd go, I'd say go out of your way and watch it. The most notable match was probably the one from today against show for a variety of reasons, just because of the storyline implications with the bullet club and um, the house of torture and sort of the underhanded tactics that they took against one another, both in this match and the previous night's tag match and what that might mean for the greater overall bullet club civil war that we've been speculating may or may not come for the last, what, two years. Um, but they definitely weren't, um, you know, acting friendly in these matches whatsoever. Yeah, it definitely was an interesting dynamics to kind of see how they, they played out. I mean, I thought the match was fine. Um, we had a lot of shenanigans with both guys and obviously the wrench um, getting involved and pretty much Ishimori uh, outsmarting and outcheating show to get the win here. Um, from this stretch, I really like the the night five uh, main event Ishimori had with Alex Zane. Um, you know, Ishimori's whole game plan, his whole tournament, he targets his opponent's arms to set up the uh, bone lock, and that's what he did here to Alex Zane. And for Zane, and we'll talk about him later, but he's done a great job just having to sell a lot in this tournament. And I thought he did a great job selling the arm um, in this matchup here while still doing his flippy stuff. Uh, but Ishimori just kept the work on him, got him a tap out with the bone lock. Yeah, there's also the story that's been ongoing where Taguchi typically upsets Ishimori and has kind of been a thorn in his side, so he got past him as well. Um, I, I'm kind of with you, the Ishimori thing with show that's very divisive. Uh, it really depends on what your tastes are. I saw some people that loved that match, and I saw some people that absolutely detested it. I'm kind of middle of the road. I My whole thing was like, because today's show 
was jam-packed with tons of, you know, singles matches, you kind of wanted different things out of different matches, and I felt like this one delivered as to what you would expect with two rule breakers really going out of their way to cheat and just use every underhanded tactic. The Eddie Guerrero spots I thought were pretty uh, inventive, so even though there was a lot of shenanigans and kind of bullshit, I thought in the context of this feud and this storyline and their alignment within the organization, it made sense. And then, you know, it, it really was kind of uh, curious, like, was Show going to, to use the wrench and beat Ishimori? And ultimately, Ishimori was able to, to use the belt and, you know, remain spotless going forward. So, and, you know, I don't really like Show in this tournament, so I was glad Ishimori beat him. Yeah, and... Um, you know, show has a kind of a, a slow start so far in this tournament, and obviously he's probably going to be one of the guys that is going to be still alive towards the end. He's facing Yo on the final night, so I, you would assume that that match would potentially be a you know big decision maker who's going to win the A block. But again, yeah, I'm not digging Show, and I'm glad that he's on a losing end right now. And you're he, saying he's a grower, not a shower. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Ishimori, the champ, we knew that he would, you know, be protected being the champ and get a lot of wins. But, you know, 4-0 so far, like you mentioned, at some point he's going to have to eat some losses uh, coming up. He has Hiromu on the final night. So, again, that's probably going to be, again, one of the main factors into who walks out with the A block. And, again, Hiromu could win that and maybe lose a tiebreaker and he's still got a title shot. So, a lot of interesting scenarios that will happen here with uh, Ishimori being the champ. Definitely. So next up, let's talk about the aforementioned Hiromu Takahashi, who's second place in the block right now with six points, three wins and one loss. On night three, he was in the main event. He defeated Franskira with uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Francisco Akira with uh, TJP. On night five, Hiromu Takahashi defeated Ace Austin. And then on night seven, he lost to Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Yeah. Um, you know, Hiromu is great. We all know how great Hiromu is. And he has maintained his greatness throughout this tournament. Um, I do think he's kind of facilitating a different role, though, here than what we typically see out of him in these tournaments. Um, you know, the past couple of years, again, it's been a single block December tournament with only domestic new Japan stars, nobody else. And he's kind of been like him and Despy have been like the two standout rivals in those tournaments, really kind of vying for the top spot. And here I kind of think he's sort of more like a, uh, a litmus test, almost like that classic Jushin Liger role where it's like, I'm the top guy, I'm the senior top guy of this division, and we're going to put guys like Ace Austin and Francesco Akira up against him and see how they can do in a main event spot against a guy that's tested and true. And, um, you know, if you can't have a great match with Hiromu, in a big spot like that, then that's not a good sign for you, right. for you, you know, going, going on uh, down the road. So he's kind of taken on more of like a senior, I don't want to make it sound like a dad role cause it's not that, but uh, I liken it more to like how Tanahashi is kind of in the main event spots. Like if they put you in there with Tanahashi and you can't have a great match, I don't know what to tell you. And that's where Hiromu is. And, you know, 
he's obviously still winning most of his matches. The one hiccup was today against Kanemaru, which was interesting because most of these um, undercard tag matches have really been just, you know, run-of-the-mill, nothing really stands out, you know, nothing really important that you got to pay attention to. But the previous night's tag match against uh, Suzuki-Goon, Kanemaru really attacked that knee, attacked that leg. We've seen him employ this tactic in previous tournaments. Uh, I think the most notable um, occurrence of that was the match he had with uh, Shingo, and Shingo's only Super Juniors a couple years ago. And that was very apropos that Shingo was at ringside during this match, doing the commentary and showing his concern for Hiromu. And again, this was on the night where it was all singles matches. So, you know, a lot, there's a lot more variety on those kinds of evenings where more things are more opened up for possibilities of upsets and surprises. And, you know, the entire match, uh, Kanemaru just used all his like cheating heel tactics to exploit that leg, exploit that knee, attack him on the outside, and then just kind of handicap him. I expected Hiromu to uh, to mount like a, a comeback, and then ultimately that just never happened. Kanemaru put him in the figure four leg lock. He stayed in it forever. He kept trying to get out. He couldn't counter it. He couldn't escape. And after a while, he just, he had a tap, and it was like, oh shit. Yeah, that was a. Uh... <laughs> Kind of surprising, but it's like we mentioned in the preview with Kanamaru. He's going to beat people that you might not expect him to beat because he's just that guy. He's that spoiler. And like we mentioned, he's going to do the thing where he attacks the guy's knee the night before. So the knee softened up. And then we've seen in all his matches, um, it's failed until this Hiromi match where he's targeting the knee, going for the figure four. He's cheating. He's trying to get the advantage so he can get people to tap out. But his game plan finally worked here on night seven against Hiromu. Targeted that knee all throughout. Like you mentioned the previous night in tag match, he t- attacked the knee also. Um, so yeah, got him worked the knee all this match. Got him in the figure four right in the middle of the ring, and there was nothing Hiromu could do. He just had to tap out. Yeah, and Hiromu's been working the longer length the uh, matches throughout this tournament. You know, you look at the Francesco Akira match, seventeen minutes. Um, you know, and he also worked a, a pretty lengthy match on the first night as well. So, I mean, he's been having some hard, hard-fought hard battles. I feel like this match was sort of like a night off for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it also puts a chink in his armor, showing he's not this indestructible dynamo that maybe he was when he first came in this tournament, you know, five or six years ago. Uh, he's sort of like the elder statesman now, and he's got a target on his back and also, you know, sort of a handicap now. I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward, at least for... I don't know if for the whole tournament, but at least for the next match or two, he ends up selling that leg because it's been damaged and, you know, there's there it is. There's a big, you know, attack me sign on it. Um, aside from that match, though, the performances he's had with Ace Austin and Francesco Akira have to be two of the more standout matches of the tournament. People were really loving those uh, particular matches. And like I said, he's sort of this litmus test of can you perform on that level with the top guy in the main event spot? And they both passed with flying colors. I thought uh, both of them did very, very well against him, and we definitely have questions about it. So I'm not alone in feeling that way either. Yeah, I, I love the match against uh, Francisco Akira from Night 3's uh, main event. Uh, I thought they just did – it was an awesome match. I think for me it's my – 
uh, best match of the tournament thus far. That's the one match I went uh, four and a quarter on, and that that had what we were talking about, man. What the junior division was missing a lot of high flying. You have Akira out here, you know, doing the uh, Asai Moon Salt and doing all a lot of innovative moves. His uh, fireball neck breaker move that he does, and Hiromu turned it up in that match as well. And was doing a lot of high flying. Those guys just went back and forth, and you got a lot of gifts of that match of those guys flying all around. It was a high pace, high intense match, and Akira. We'll talk about him, but man, he has so much intensity and fire and charisma. He really gets the crowds into his matchups. And so, like you mentioned, it was a test of, you know, can Francisco Akira, you know, can this guy hang in the the main event here? And I think he passed with flying colors, and I think definitely, you know, he's going to be a great fit in this junior division moving forward. So far, that's what he's shown. And, um, you know, I feel like Hiromu did a lot for him in that match, gave him a lot, uh, also kind of destroyed his chest. I mean, his chest was just oh, super red. Uh, it wasn't even just red. It was like there were these welts that looked, they were blistering, disgusting. They were like blistering off. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, you ever, uh, back in the day, like if you ever watched like the Ultimate Fighter, Dana White come out and be like, so you want to be a, you want to be a mixed martial artist? Well, it's like, so you want to wrestle in the junior division? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. It, you know, flashbacks to that Suzuki match he had at, in the New Japan Cup. I mean, he just killed this guy's chest. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Hiromu, super strong so far, like we said, in second place. But uh, today's performance against Kanemaru is definitely going to um, add an element of doubt moving forward in the tournament. Yeah, another interesting thing here, uh, like we mentioned on night five, he defeated Ace Austin, who is the current X Division champion. Uh, Scott, That's right. Scott DeMore has come out on Twitter and has invited Hiromu to Impact to challenge for the X Division championship. And we did have a question here from at MarkNado1990. It says, Ace Austin has promised Hiromu an X Division title shot after the match. Do you think he or another domestic talent would travel over to Impact if they beat Ace, or could it be at Dominion? Maybe they could fill a slot in the Ultimate X match at Slammiversary. Um, I wouldn't be. I I really wouldn't be uh, a fan of them bringing in Hiromu to be a participant in an Ultimate X match. Not that that doesn't sound cool from like a Fire Pro standpoint, you know. But I mean, he's a pretty big star, and you know, I I just feel like there's more money that you can make putting him in a singles situation for the title as opposed to just another body filling up a spot in a, in a multi-man match but um you know we had heard rumors that potentially they might defend that title at dominion um now granted it looks like based on the backstage comments and what we've seen on social media that if Hiromu is the guy to challenge for the title it's going to be in the states and in impact and there might be a trade-off there, and that would be really cool because um, I don't think we – well, I know for a fact we've never seen Hiromu in, in uh, TNA before. But I still won't be surprised if ultimately we end up with the X Division title match at Dominion with somebody else. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense because Dominion is going to be right a week after the finals. I'm sure Ace Austin will still be in Japan. So you might as well, instead of lumping him in a multi-man matchup on that card, yeah, do a special – X-Vision attraction match on that Dominion, that Dominion card feel special. Yeah, I mean, 
there could also be a run in between. I'm just speculating here, but like, you know, they're kind of setting up a match in the States and I'm not doubting that that doesn't happen. But what if Hiromu and him don't end up in the finals, right? And on the final night, they end up on opposite sides of each other from a tag match. They have a really heated, fiery, like, exchange. And one of them beats the other one in the tag match. And then after the match, one of them, like, lays down the gauntlets. Like, let's not wait for America. Let's do it next week, you know, at Osaka Joe Hall. Yeah. And then Hiromu beats him for the title. And then he has an impetus to go back to America with the belt and have the return match, you know? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Very much Fujinami versus Ric Flair in 1991. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. Yeah, and that would be cool. Mix mix some things up a little bit there. Uh, We have some other questions here about Hiromu. Uh, At Ben Kosminski says, do you think Hiromu is checked out of being in the junior division? I've been expecting bangers from him, but it seems like he's mailing it in so far. LOL. Um, you know, some people might speculate and say that Hiromu is checked out, quote unquote. Uh, I got to tell you, my opinion, I think Hiromu, I think he's been compromised physically for the last two years, ever since he came back from the neck surgery and then came back from the torn bicep or from the, uh, the torn pec. Um, I, I, and did he have any other injuries recently that I'm missing there during that time period? Cause I feel like he was out multiple times. Yeah, he was out a lot. I think those are the two major ones. Yeah. After he came back from the neck injury, he was still phenomenal. But after he tore the peck, things have been different. Um, and I'm not saying he can't win called upon and needed, go out there and have a great match. But a lot of it is it's less physical than it was in the past, or at least it's less high-risk, high-impact-based high offense and, and type of – he doesn't do that stuff as much, even though they still try to cover it up by having his one or two major spots that he's still able to go out there and do. I mean. This is not the same guy he was when he first jumped on the scene back in 2016 or whatever. Um, uh, there's a lot more psychology. There's a lot more physicality and, and uh, hard strikes mixed into his matches. And I'm not um, dogging the guy for that. It makes all the sense in the world. You know, he claimed that he was not going to change his style. But if you pay attention, if you've been watching him for a long time, you already know he did essentially change his style quite a bit. And I think he's needed to do that because of the the toll that it's taken on his body over the years. And, uh, you know, am I going to, you know, basically bury Hiromu because he's not going out there and having four-plus-star matches every night during the tournament, even though he's done that three or four times in the past? (laughs) You know? No, I'm not going to. Is he still probably, like, the top performer in his block right now? Yeah, Possibly, probably, and, like, do I think that when called upon, he can go out there and, like, put on an amazing top-tier performance? Yeah, we've already seen him do that multiple times in the past few years. So I don't think it's so much that he's checked out as much as it's bodily preservation and prolonging his career. I, I don't see the need for him to go out there and murder himself the way Doki does when he's already an established guy in the tournament and 
he's still probably having the match of the night most nights anyways. Right. In, in Doki's case, he has something to prove. You know, he's trying to elevate himself, get up the card, and get up to Hiromu's spot where Hiromu, he's, he's a top guy. He doesn't have to kill himself to get over. He's already over. He's the biggest star in the division, so he doesn't need to go out there and do um, senton bombs off of the apron to the floor every night to, to you know, get a, a, have a great match. Like you mentioned, he's adapted his style. He's done doing more strike-based stuff, and it's working. Yes, we're not getting maybe, you know, the Hiromu Dragon League or Hiromu Ospreys every night, but like you mentioned, he's still having uh, he's still having the best matches in the A block. He's like the top performer in the, in the block right now. And, you know, I think he, he's doing good. Like I mentioned, I, I love the Akira match. The Ace Awesome match was very, very good. So Hiromu, he's doing good, and I think he can still have those bangers when it's time. And we have a similar question from MJ Does PR saying Hiromu's safer style is in full effect, especially Super Juniors, and he's still having good matches, but he's still able to have the classics he used to put on. And I think, yes, he still can have those classics. I think when it comes to the bigger stages with the right opponent, he will have the, the classics. Yeah, and to speak to that, I totally agree. And, I mean, you, all you have to do is basically look at his performances and some of the bigger matches against Desperado, the finals last year against Yo, and, you know, a handful of other matches he's had in the past couple of years to, to, you know, against guys like Ishii, Suzuki, yada, yada. It's not like he's going out there and... and uh, you know, poop in the bed. This guy's great. So let's move on to the next person here. The sauce, Alex Zane, also tied with six points, three and one on night three. He defeated Show on night five. He was defeated by Taiji Ishimori. And then on night seven, tonight, today's show, he defeated Francisco Akira. Yeah, Alex Zane, um, is really in a pretty close contention uh, with another guy we're going to talk about next, Ace Austin for most over Gaijin of the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his style, um, I've, I've definitely had my shares of criticism when it comes to his style of wrestling. Now, granted, I've wrestled myself, and I could only dream to do the athletic things that Alex Zane is able to do even at this later stage of his career because, you know, and it's something they bring up on commentary. Like he's been wrestling for a while, even though people don't maybe didn't realize it or, uh, you know, know his age or, you know, know that he only recently got this break in the past few years, but uh, he's making the most of it. And I mean, he's going out there and, um, you know, like I said, regardless of any criticisms I may have had, he's fulfilling a lot of the things that, I said in recent weeks, we're missing from this division death-defying athleticism, guys that are willing to risk it, guys that bring in excitement to the division and that are kind of dangerous. And also he has that X factor, that uh, charisma about him. And uh, like, is he my favorite guy in the tournament? No. But as soon as he came out there and started doing like his big, awesome maneuvers and high flying and, and outside dives, I mean, um, especially considering that technically, yes, he, he probably is a junior, but he is like, from a frame standpoint, bigger than almost everyone else in the dude, tournament. He is, yeah, he's like towering over dudes, and he's like super cut right now. He's in the best shape that I've ever seen him in, and he's he's put on and he, he's cut cut muscle, and even brought up on commentary, like he yeah. has, has size over these guys, and he's pushing 
that uh, the weight limit for for junior. And I forgot. I think it might have been Ishimori who was complaining backstage that um, Zayn is not a junior that he that he is uh, bigger than a uh, junior heavyweight. But uh, he, he might be. Yeah, uh, he looks in great but, shape and. Uh, he's really been immer- immersing himself in the culture. In the culture yeah. You see on Twitter his his adventures with Ace Austin and uh, eating all the food and meeting all the fans and like you see all like the drawings that the Japanese fans are doing of him on Twitter. He's really gotten over that the fans are really loving him in this Corkin uh, matchup that he had today. Uh, the, the the claps uh, there were you can tell like the claps were really loud for him when he came out and got the oohs and ahs for a lot of his crazy stuff that he was doing and this guy's yeah. It- and also just like the maneuvers, it's all like uh, Taco Bell based, and I don't know how popular that is in uh, in Japan, but I just feel like something that's kind of fun and quirky like that gets over. But what aside from that, the death defined nature of the things that he does, you know, we've seen in the past how guys like Ricochet, you know, Will Osprey, you know, um, Kota Ibushi, they get over from doing those types of things and. It's definitely working in his favor. And, like, the very first night that he started doing that stuff, I was like, oh, God, he's going to be, like, a huge star over here. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's some guys that uh, just translate better in certain environments. And, you know, you put him on the indies, and he's awesome. But there's a lot of guys doing similar things. And, you know, there wasn't a lot for me that really stood out, even on Strong, but in Japan. You you see that the the way that the uh, the audience reacts to him, you're like, oh fuck, he's gonna be a big star over here. Yeah, and I think you know, like most flippy guys, they get criticized for only doing flips and not selling. And I feel like in this tournament, he's taken upon himself to prove that he can sell. In the show and Ishimori match, he had his arm worked over and he had to sell the arm. And then uh, earlier in the tournament, you know, he wrestled um, who was it? That he wrestled. He had, he had to sell the leg. I think it was Kanemaru. That he had to sell the leg against, and so he's done a great job in, in selling and still being able to do a lot of the cool uh, flippy stuff. Yeah, and the other thing too, it's not just um, the fact that he's selling so well and the fact that he's doing death-defying stuff, but like you know, there was that moment where he like banged his face on the, the ring apron and like cut open his chin, yeah. and there's sort of like a grimy, like you know, dangerous aspect to his stuff because it just, it doesn't all come off as a hundred percent super polished all the time. And in a certain sense, that's kind of working in his favor. That's sort of like a throwback to like those early 90s, like Hayabusa, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and Hayabusa is like one of those guys where like, you look at him and you're like, he's fucking awesome. But like 85% of the time he lands it all right. And then the other 15%, you're like, what's going Or, like, Sabu. I was, you know I was what I mean? just thinking about that. Yeah, Sabu, yeah. And, like, that's kind of how <laughs> he comes off. It's like, but there's also that aspect where it's like he's willing to put his body on the line to hurt the other guy. They're almost like a Darby Allen-esque sort of uh, thing going on there. And, like, that's something that I loved about the junior division back in, like, the 90s with, like, those Michinoku pro guys like Sasuke and Delphin. And he's not that far off from from – being like in that same sort of vein as crazy as that sounds so yeah and i think his look i think the red the all of it it's it's working he, he needs to just keep going like who knows man he might fucking get himself into a junior title like spot here <laughs> next year or so yeah he might have earned himself a contract yeah you know and you know we talked about his frame like 
would you be surprised if in a year or two he ends up in a G1 and he's a heavyweight and he's wrestling in the never division or something like that? Like, Not at I all. Yeah. I can definitely yeah. see him doing that. Yeah, this is a, a success story so far. Yeah. So also tied with uh, Zayn and Hiromu, Zayn's traveling buddy, the ex- One thing I want to say, too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, he beat Francesco Akira today, which surprised me. Yeah, that did surprise me also. Um, Akira, we'll talk about him. He's down. He's one in three. But, you know, being the United Empire, he got the big, you know, promo videos and the big entrance. He's not doing so hot so far. And I thought, you know, Ace Austin's a guy that they could have him beat and catch up. But maybe they're, they're seeing how over um, Zayn is getting. Yeah, and that's one thing I'm wondering is if, not that they don't book out the tournament, but I'm wondering if they, they're calling any sort of audibles because that was something um, early in the episode someone asked us, you know, they're handling a lot of these outside guys very well, and I'm like, maybe they're rewarding those who are getting over to a certain extent and giving them victories in certain places based on you know, the the reception they're getting from the crowds, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Ace Austin, the X-Division champion, also tied up here with six points, three wins, and one loss. On night three, he defeated Kanemaru. On night five, like we mentioned he lost to Hiromu. And then on today's show, he defeated Yo. Yeah, so, I mean, Ace Austin is a guy that, like, I've seen quite a bit of, but I've never been... A huge fan like I and again I've had criticisms of him different than the ones I've had from Alex Zane where I've always thought Alex Zane was uh you know a little less than professional a little shindy you know what I mean yeah Ace Austin has always been immaculate in his performance you know what I mean this is a guy that like just kills it but what has um kind of been eluding from or you know missing is sort of like I've never bought into his charisma. There's some people that love the gimmick and stuff, and I've always just thought it was kind of like minor league-ish. Yeah. And his look, I've never really loved the Gambit cosplay necessarily, and I don't think he's uh, an uber-strong promo. Um, I think he's he's a good promo, but his voice is kind of greedy. <laughs> and uh, he's also a guy that's very, very talented, but I felt like was performing below his station. You look at and I'm, I don't think I'm alone in that. You look at his cage match ratings, and I mean, the amount of truly great matches that he has on record don't really um, match the level of talent that he clearly has. But, you know, you take a certain guy, sometimes you take a guy, you put him in a different setting, a different atmosphere, give him a different motivation, and things just click. And I never expected to get out of Ace Austin what we've been getting out of him in this tournament, and it it makes me feel like I need to eat all my words because, you know, he's really getting over. They were talking on commentary about how, like, he had the longest line of anybody in Corkin uh, for autographs prior to the show. And I even kind of wondered, like, the whole thing with the laminated card and cutting, like, was that getting over? Because the people can't audibly speak when it happens, so... You know, he's not he, like I'm like, is this too small time for like a big major promotion like New Japan? Is that something that's going to translate well when he's wrestling, like, let's say, hypothetically in Osaka Joe Hall or something like that? But mm-hmm. he's really connecting. And I mean, he, I don't know if maybe part of it is that he has a 
a, a greater selection of talent to really showcase himself with. I think that's probably part of it. Um, he also just seems super motivated because he's going out there and he's just knocking out of the park night after night. And, um, you know, of these matches, uh, the Hiroba match is the one that really stands out. And so far, I think, let me take a look here on cage match. That's the highest rated uh, match for both individuals in the tournament on that website so far. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of people were really, really into that match quite a bit. Yeah, I totally agree with a lot of what you're saying about Ace Austin. Again, similar to you, he's a guy that I've seen in MLW. I've seen some of his impact. We've seen him on indie shows that we've been to. And, again, like you, I thought he was he was a fine guy. I never really saw the hype in him. Uh, but, like you mentioned, you, you take him out of impact, you take him out of MLW, you put him in New Japan, and just it's a different guy. He's motivated. He's fired up. He has um, some better guys to work with. And, you know, normally he's a heel. And so, obviously, when you're stuck in American promotion, sometimes the heel thing, you, you have to cheat. And I feel like a lot of his matches usually have some kind of shenanigans or cheating. But here, um, in a more, you know, contest-based, you know, action here in New Japan, yes, he's, he's doing the, the card gimmick. But ultimately, there's not a ton of shenanigans in his matchup. So, he's, he's just wrestling. And, and he's having great matches. He's doing a lot. It's not just the athletic stuff, but like he's so proficient in the ring. There's a lot of small things that he does really well. And that's oftentimes the mark of a great wrestler, you know, Um, in different styles. But like when I was training in wrestling, we would study Dean Malenko. There's little things that he did that kind of differentiated him from others. Kind of the same thing with Ace Austin in this tournament. Uh, like, I pay attention to those things. So I'm like, man, there's just, like, these little nuances that he kind of gets and kind of has. Uh, like, he's much better than his age, uh, you know, would indicate. Um, also, he beat Yo today, which I was surprised about, just based on the um, the point totals. I sort of thought that he was a guy that, maybe Yo could get past. He beat him pretty definitively in like seven minutes. So he's getting very strong booking as the X division champion, which kind of speaks to the, the, the strength and relationship between new Japan and impact. And I really think that both companies are trying to utilize this tournament to uh, bridge the gap between them, but also really showcase him as a top tier talent and, you know, maybe revitalize that, that X division just in general, or even maybe launch him to the, you know, being in the world title contention when he returns from this tournament, who knows? Yeah, this tournament is doing a lot of work for him. It's definitely elevating his stock. And yeah, I definitely want to see more of him in New Japan. Like you mentioned, him being over with the, the lines. And up in the crowd today, there were so many Ace Austin signs and shirts and posters um, so he's getting over just like Zane. These guys are immersed in the culture. The, the fans are doing all kinds of drawings of these guys on Twitter and really getting behind these guys. So he's doing a lot of great stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised again, if he's another guy that earns a contract or they bring back more. Now, one thing to speak to that before we move on, he has been pretty vocal about not having impact slander or uh, people speaking out about him jumping ship and things like that. So he's, Definitely playing like company man, which is admirable. But I think 
long term, anybody with a brain realizes seeing this guy that the future for him is pretty bright, and that means moving to some sort of uh, next tier major promotion, whether that be a WWE or an Impact, or I'm sorry, or uh, an AEW or a New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, it's probably going to be one of those three destinations for him. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see him uh, work with New Japan more in the future either way. Yeah. So moving on, next guy we have here is Yo, who's at four points, two wins, two losses. On night three, he defeated the Wild Rhino Clark Connors. On night five, he defeated Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And like we just mentioned, on night seven, he lost to Ace Austin. Yeah, so, I mean, Yo, um, you know, started off with a loss, and we were kind of wondering, like, what is the story here? Are they going to try and replicate the uh, losing streak that he went on last year? And maybe to some degree they're doing something similar, but not quite exactly the same thing. But he did pick up that win on night three against Clark Connors and then defeated Kenamaro. So it was like, okay, he's sort of rebounding. And I thought Ace Austin was a guy that he would either be more competitive with or potentially even get past, especially considering the fact that he is a tournament runner-up from last year, you know. But um, something that Kevin Kelly has pointed out on commentary, guys like Yo, guys like Watto, it's not that they have declined necessarily, but the fields these this year compared to the last couple of years are much deeper and so the booking has kind of indicated that. You see guys who have done really well in the past who are struggling a, a bit more than they had when they were in a single block with only just nine other guys. So that's a big part of the story here. Um, as far as, like, Yo, his performances, he's not having bad matches. And I wouldn't even say he's uh, – some of the complaints I had last year where it was like he's just – wacky roll-up guy you know he has that direct drive and that's been a big part of the matches so even that aspect is kind of taken care of where most of the the um complaint i have about yo is is that his character just it's just lacking dude it's bland this man comes comes out here in, in the all white i don't know what the heck he was wearing today with all those sleeves he had like this crazy like long sleeve thing on today was uh, it just during the entrance because i was to to save time i was fast forwarding through those. yeah it's just through the entrance uh um, okay yeah and so this guy comes out here like with the wackest gear plain gear like we mentioned no emotion on his face like it's almost like he's like the real like tranquilo one like he comes out there <laughs> doesn't care like no like emotion or anything like it's just hard to really invest or get into his matchups because like like you mentioned yes he's a very good wrestler he's having technically good wrestling matchups but there's just no excitement to want to see him win or succeed in this tournament like he's supposed to be one of the top guys he was in the finals last year yeah I, i feel like that should have elevated him to a higher status and he should have been coming in here with a little bit more fire from that push last year but essentially he's Pretty much where he's always been. It's kind of the middle of the road. Right. Kind of bland, yo. Maybe he'll win. Maybe he'll not win. And I'm just, I guess, can't get into that. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, there's not much more I can add to that. I mean, 
there's just no there's no um, investment into what he's doing because even though the matches are fine, keep in mind he's not really main eventing a lot of matches. He's there, there really isn't anything of note. I mean, um, whatsoever. I mean, you look at these three matches. Aside from just the finishes themselves, uh, there's nothing really extra to discuss there. You know, there's nothing to unpack. There, it's just very cut and dry, and it's like he's winning, he's losing. I don't really know what the direction is. I don't have any investment towards it. I don't think very many people do, other than those who are like his rider dies. And uh, you know, maybe we'll be all surprised. Maybe we'll have to eat our words at the end of this. And and there is a prolonged story. You know, there's still a lot of tournament, and that show match on the final night is always looming. But as of right now, I've got very little use for Yo in this tournament, to be honest with you. Same here. To me, he's he's, he's a jag. He's just a guy. Filling a yes. spot. Filling a spot. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that I'm not the guy who's doing the deep bearing on Yo right now. That, <laughs> that's a change of pace. It's, it's Jeremy this time. He's the bad guy. I, Dude, I'm just... I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just I just can't with this guy right now, man. Like, yo. <laughs> like, put, like put, get Tiger Mask back in here. Like, come on. <laughs> You know what? I would love for Tiger Mask to be in this tournament. Like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Grumpy Tiger Mask, like having to beat up like Ace Austin. Like, come on, bring like, Shingo back. Seriously, yeah, Shingo can, <laughs> can cut some uh, lbs and hop back in here. Uh, All right, let's look at the next guy here. Risuke Taguchi, one half of the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. He's at two points, one and three. Night three, he lost to Ishimori. Night five, he defeated Francisco Akira. And then on night seven, he uh, lost to Clark Connors. And with Taguchi, his whole thing, like we mentioned last week, he promised no butt stuff. He was going to be serious. And that went out the window. Night one, there was butt stuff. And there's been a lot of butt stuff uh, throughout this whole tournament. Lots of hip hip attacks, a lot of shenanigans. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Taguchi's another guy I don't have very much use for. I mean, in years past, we always it would always be me on this show basically looking at history, looking at his performances and saying, don't count out Taguchi. He's going to be in play at the end. He's going to have a high point total. He's going to be a guy threatening for the top spot in his block. He's not going to win the block, but he's going to be a main stay player. He's going to get a lot of points, and we're going to get – one to three big match to Gucci performances in the tournament. So far, that really hasn't been the case whatsoever. He Obviously, he's on the losing end quite a bit. A lot of comedy. His matches aren't bad, necessarily. But, you know, his butt humor has never been the, my type of humor when it comes to watching pro wrestling. If I liked that stuff, I would watch DDT, and I don't watch DDT for that very reason. So, um you know, he's fine, but, I mean, even the Clark Connors match, which was good, I mean, it was a lot of butt comedy from him and Clark, which I got enough of that from Clark when he came out in the pink Daisy Dukes in, <laughs> in St. Pete. So it's like, I, I get it. There's this other side, too. You like to have fun. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's to Gucci. You either love him or you hate him. I'm kind of indifferent. I would be – he's another guy where I'd rather – Maybe that's the new litmus. Would you rather have Tiger Mask? And for me, yes, I would rather have Tiger Mask in this tournament than Taguchi. 
Yeah. Is there a possibility that Taguchi goes out there with somebody at least once during this tournament and has a, a fire-ass match? Sure. But it hasn't happened yet. And every year he's getting older. And every year he's getting further from his prime. And every year we're getting for Even the good matches he's having in tournaments are so far away from what he did years ago with Will Ospreay and Shingo and all that and Kushida. So it's like, no, I'm not really... I just don't expect much from Taguchi anymore. I know he's very important to this company. I know he's, uh, you know, pulling back the, the, the uh, you know, whatever. Like, I know that he's, like, a locker room leader and, like, this no-gay dojo guy that everyone looks up to, and he's very important to this division. But in terms of my entertainment, I just have no use for him. Like, he's yo territory for me right now. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's already wrestled Hiromu. He's already wrestled Ishimori. He's already wrestled Francisco Akira. Like Three of his, like, best possible opponents, and they were just wasted. It was nothing. Yeah. yeah, it was wasted. So, yeah, I'm not expecting uh, much more from him. More butt stuff and shenanigans <laughs> and ha-ha. So. <laughs> uh, so, moving on, also tied at uh, two points with one win and three losses is the United Empire's Francisco Akira, or Franskera, as he's now known on this show. On uh, night three, he lost to Hiromu Takahashi. On night five, he lost to Rizuke Taguchi. And on night six, he lost to Alex Zane. So, uh, you know, the, the new junior here of the Empire, like we mentioned, Francisco Akira, um, going down with uh, three losses right here in a row. So, yeah, um, Francesco Kira losing, uh, you know, the last three has been very, very surprising. Um, Now, that's not to say necessarily that that's an indication of how the company sees him as far as, uh, you know, because I heard some people last week after, like, let's say Elendeman lost his initial match to Doki talking about maybe this is an indication of how the company sees him. And I, I feel like this podcast, we have a little bit more insight, just kind of realizing like the ebbs and flows with how in the context of a tournament like this and with Gato's booking, especially with this much more time left, it's really hard to determine something like that until you see like a clear trend. Now here with Francesco Akira, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier on the, on the show, came in with the big surprise entrance with the promo videos and everything like that. And has been set up for a big spot in this tournament and, you know, started off hot, but then has gone, you know, Oh, and three in the last three matches. So aside from just the booking though, you take a look at the matches he had with Hiromu and then the match he had with uh French or with uh, Alex Zane today. And, um, I feel like he's really performing on a super, super high level and has to be really impressing the higher-ups just in general. Like, if anybody's watching his performances and they're not blown away by a 22-year-old kid that's going out there and just, you know, wowing the audiences, I don't know what to tell you. But um, the same way how when I look at the 4-0 record of Ishimori and I say, okay, well, he's due for a loss or two here in the near future, I see the one and three record uh, for Jesco and Akira. And I assume based on the hype they brought him in with 
his spot in um, the United Empire. And then finally, his performances and reception from the crowd thus far, he's due to go on a run of wins going forward. Now, I I think he's one of those guys who's going to be in play at the end, which means he's probably going to win a lot more of his matches moving forward because if he loses anything else, you know, for, I think at this point in this tournament, four losses is a death knell. Like, right, yeah. You're effectively eliminated. So they've kind of put him in a do-or-die situation moving forward. Which kind of works for him because even though he is a heel, he still has been or I guess in a heel stable. He's been wrestling as this kind of fiery underdog baby face in his matchups. And so you're kind of putting him in this underdog position. He's going to have to reel off six wins in a row to finish at 12 and to potentially be in play to win the block. So I think it's a good um, position for him to kind of be in for his character. Put him up against the wall. He's really going to have to, you know, uh, know, scratch and claw to get these um, points. And so I think he's a guy, I think it's potential for him to reel off six wins. I don't think that is out of the question for him. Also, we'll have to look and see who he has coming up. But I think he could get six wins and be a guy who ends with 12 but doesn't win, loses on a tiebreaker, uh, but still ends the tournament with 12 points. Yeah, and I mean, some of the um, losses that he took here could definitely facilitate that, especially the Hiromu one. You know, Hiromu is always going to be a, a block favorite, and a loss to him really could be a, you know, eliminator if you end up with, you know, uh, the same points as him going into the finals. So that's definitely a realistic possibility. Yeah, but I mean, I, I've loved his performances so far. Like I mentioned earlier, just tons of fire, tons of energy, charisma, uh, super fast, um, does a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. You know, he has a mix of striking. He has good suplexes. The, the Asai Moonsault has been awesome. This guy is an all-around great performer. Yeah, he's putting his body on the line quite a bit with the high-risk stuff plus the very physical striking uh, nature of his matches. So, I mean, yeah, I, I was, again, surprised at the Alex Zane loss today. That was one I thought was very winnable for him. But mm. uh, if if that is what they're intending to do by putting him in a position where it's like, okay, he's one and three, now he's got to turn it up and really have a hot second part of the tournament, makes sense why they did that. Now, if we end up in a position where, like, two nights from now, he takes another loss – and then at the end of the tournament gets a couple wins so that he ends up with 12 or 14 or whatever it needs to be so that he looks on paper like he's the same as everybody else, that's going to speak volumes because then he's no better than, say, like Bushi or something like that, and that tells us where the company sees him current day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that that's not as likely as him going on a hot run and then taking a loss on the, like, second to last night or the last night and uh that being what knocks him out i think he's going to be in play moving into the like last two nights probably yeah we have a question here from mark nato 1990 says what has united empire done to the new japan booking team sweep of losses at wrestle kingdom quick tile loss of the tag titles and poor start of best super juniors for both akira and tjp will they make a comeback and have a good rest of the year as a faction (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I haven't prepared a retort for this, but I do feel like they, uh, 
they're booked pretty strong in other instances aside from the ones that you pointed out there. You might have a good point, but I mean, keep in mind, I mean, there's some pretty really strong from a marketing standpoint uh, factions that just exist out there. Bullet Club, LIJ, I mean, you know, all criticisms aside, they move numbers, they draw eyes, they sell tickets, and they sell merchandise. And a new upstart promote or um, faction under Will Ospreay, you know, I, I, I don't know if it has the same kind of effect on the domestic as well as, you know, Western audience as, say, those two groups amongst others. So, you know, there might be something to that, the marketability of it all. And they probably do still, to some extent, need to prove themselves. You know, LIJ wasn't LIJ until, like, oh, shit, they're outselling everybody, including, including Bullet Club, and they're, like, the hottest thing in this company for, you know, five years. So Right. But I think we're starting to see the United Empire get over you know, great Okan, he's been getting over both in Japan and the States. Uh, I think Akira's doing great. TJP's doing great stuff. We'll talk about him in the B block. Obviously, Will Ospreay has had some bad luck with um, his health this year. Um, and that's kept him out of some big matchups. But um, I do think the United Empire is set up for success. They have a lot of great guys in the unit. And I think they're going to have a, a really good rest of the year. Um, and good matchups, and obviously they're still telling the whole story of New Japan screwing Osprey, and so I think there will be a resolution to that when Osprey is back in Japan, and I think that we'll we'll see United Empire, um, you know, having a better half of the year. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like they've given a lot to them, and I feel like they've passed most of the tests, at least from a entertainment and match quality standpoint, and definitely like. Uh, with the addition of some of these newer um, group members like Aussie Open and like Francesco Akira, um, that's kind of revitalized the group. We haven't seen them all together in New Japan proper just yet, but when they do, I feel like that's going to be like the next chapter and be the real test for them. Yeah. Let's take a look at the next guy who's also at two points, one and three. The Murder Machine Show, one-third of the never-open-weight six-man tag team champions. On night three, he lost to Alex Zane. Night five, he defeated Clark Connors. And then on today's show, night seven, he uh, lost to Taiji Shimori. Yeah, um, Alex Zane loot, or defeating show was definitely a big surprise and maybe another indication of what I talked about earlier where you know, maybe some of these booking decisions are being done because of the response by the audience um, or someone re- someone in the booking committee, like, I don't know, like Dick Togo just fucking loves Alex Zane. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, um, you know, show, show beating Clark Connors, um, that was his first win in the tournament. Like, he, he was uh, 0-2 going into that match, which was a big surprise, and then he dropped a loss to Ishimori. So he's one in three. Similar situation that we described with Francesco Akira, and he's another guy that I think will be in play and be a major factor down the stretch. So don't be surprised if some of your favorites start getting hit with that wrench moving forward throughout the tournament. Um, 
Aside from that, I will say for me, show has just, he's another guy in this block that I have very little use for. Um, as much as I might have enjoyed aspects of the Ishimori show match, just because of in a vacuum, what it was overall shows a guy like, and granted one of my favorite juniors pre house of torture, but I just have no use for him. Like I'm not into this. His matches are, are just full of gaga and bullshit. And uh, I don't imagine that the rest of the tournament is going to be any different. Yeah. It's just so dumb. Especially look at, look at the Clark Connors match where he, he's dragging him all the way out into the crowd by the, the wall and throwing him against the wall, hitting him with a chair and like, all right. So he gets hit with a chair and he's supposed to, you're, you're going to count him out. Like there's just so much stuff with his matches where, it's so like one-sided and the cheating just doesn't make a ton of sense. It makes the officials look dumb and like they're kind of in house tortures uh, pocket. And so I don't know, again, like you mentioned, just like with yo and Taguchi, he's one of these guys where I would rather have tiger mask um, in here. Cause I, again, I'm just not into the show stuff, but he's, yeah, he's, that's, that's three guys in a block that I'd rather have tiger mask instead of them. Yeah. But he's probably going to be, you know, in contention for this block. And I was surprised that he kind of lost, that he lost to Ishimori as well. Because I figured if he doesn't win the block, at least they could set up a title match by him beating uh, Ishimori. But, but they're race. stable mates. You think that they're going to have a title match within the faction? Well, if they want to split off House of Torture. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I don't want to speculate on that whole thing because... <laughs> yeah. You know how I feel about that old club bullshit. Yeah. So, but glad he lost and glad he's one and three right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being six and three by the end of this thing. So, uh, next guy, Wild Rhino, Clark Connors, also with two points on night three. He lost to Yo. Night five, he lost to Show. And then on night seven, today's show, he got his first win by defeating Taguchi. Yeah, Clark Connors is a guy that we have been super high on since probably day one when he first came into the LA dojo came into that, uh, young lions cup tournament a couple years back, I think like three years now. And all along the way, we've just been big supporters and big fans of his. And I really loved the promo that he cut during the, uh, during the uh, press conference prior to this tournament, talking about how he was, big game hunting and he was going to run through each guy one by one. And, you know, basically the fact that he wasn't in any of the main events, he was going to um, embarrass, you know, the new Japan matchmakers for uh, treating him that way. And I mean, I felt like he had the standout promo of the entire tournament, you know, for that uh, promo, but ultimately he has sort of been treated as the fall guy along the way. Now I do anticipate him um, potentially moving forward. I think getting some more points so that he ends up with a more respectable total. But for my, at this point, I believe that the last two guys in this block, even though for instance, he's tied right now with Akira and uh show just kind of knowing where things are. I think both of those guys are going to have to pick up wins moving forward, but I think Clark Connors, it falls into the bottom ladder of this, uh, this block and is essentially eliminated already. It's going to be one more loss. And I can't, 
I can't imagine in the next six matches that he doesn't pick up another loss. So I think he is pretty much done. And his story moving forward is going to be one where, like, he's going to be upsetting other people. He's going to be trying to maybe go out there and have show-stealing performances. Um, But that's pretty much it. And he is kind of slotted as the lowest guy in the tournament, which is unfortunate, but it's his first Super Juniors ever. So, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, I can definitely see him at least ending up being four and five um, from the tournament, but um, you know he's he's had some you know, good performances so far. He hasn't really had a, a breakout match yet, or a you know super you know high quality matchup yet. But I think he's still getting his feet wet. There's still some great opponents for him in the, the second half of this tournament to come. Um, but I mean, he's looking really good. But he's still kind of you know that weird like not a young lion on excursion, even though he graduated kind of kind of phase. You know, we've kind of mentioned this with the LA Dojo guys. It's like, it's kind of weird with them. It's like they graduate and then they're quote unquote on excursion, even though they really don't leave America a lot of times. And now they're in Japan. So it's, it's Hanare. Yeah. It's Hanare before he got his gimmick. Right. And even Hanare is not, you know, picking up a ton of wins with the new United Empire look. So, uh, and, you know, one thing, too, though, it's like, okay, he hasn't had a lot of standout matches. I really enjoyed the initial Ace Austin match, the tournament opener. Yeah. But after that, who did he have? He had Sho, Yo, and Taguchi, the three guys that we have pretty much had the worst things to say about in this tournament. So I'm not going to be surprised if from here on out the performances only improve. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Especially when he gets in there with Hiromu, which I think is going to be one of the Corkins this week. So, I mean, there's a lot of like Francesco Akira, mm-hmm. Ishimori, Alex Zane. There's a lot of guys that to be excited about seeing him, even though he's not going to win this tournament. There's still a lot of like great matchups for him moving forward. Yeah. And the last guy here in the block, also with two points, Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Night three, he lost to Ace Austin. Night five, he lost to Yo. And then night seven, he defeated Hiromi, like we mentioned earlier. You know, Kanemaru kind of is the old grumpy veteran, kind of in a, a, a heel version of the Tiger Mask role in this tournament. And I got to tell you, even though we've had good things to say about this block and then some bad things about particular performers, if you notice... I think the two guys that are most interesting from a certain standpoint are like those outsiders, like Zane and Austin probably have been like the, the kind of surprising, like interesting characters. But for my money, and this is going to sound crazy. I think Kanemaru right now where we stand in this tournament is the most interesting character of the entire A block, mm. even though, He's got a one and three record, even though I know he's effectively eliminated. He just, he's not having the best matches, but he's telling the most compelling stories match per match with his pre-match attacks and his outlandish tactics and the times where he almost beats guys by count out. He almost beats guys by, you know, utilizing these underhanded heel shenanigans, but he's not overdoing it the way that say a bullet club guy will He's doing it by just being this old, grimy, 
I know every trick in the book. It's almost like, uh, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember who it is. Uh, <laughs> like some of those old school boxers that like knew these like, you know, tactics that like the, the young, you know, the young guys don't know. And it's mm. like, he's kind of employing that stuff and just sort of like getting the best of them. And then like the Hiroma match today was very interesting where it's like, I didn't think he was going to be Hiromu, but then you think you look at the point totals, it's like he kind of needed to to stay alive at least. So it makes sense from a booking standpoint. I don't know. Kanemaru is just interesting to me. He's he's a guy that can beat anybody at any time, and he's not, you know, boring like Bushi. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed Kanemaru's work, and I think he's a needed guy in this tournament. Again, he's that kind of grimy veteran that you kind of count out, but he finds a way to win. And obviously he's, you know, not on the winning end on this tournament. But I think obviously that will change a little bit. Obviously he's not going to win the tournament, but he'll, he'll pull up some, a few more upsets and a few more wins here. But like you mentioned the whole, you know, he has a game plan, attacks your legs and works over the figure forward, has a Satori whiskey uh, spots. And he's an interesting, fun guy to watch. And um, he's, you're always going to have a good solid match with him. You know who I was thinking of? I was thinking of Archie Moore or like Jersey Joe Walcott or like old Bernard Hopkins, guys like that who like they know all these like finesse sort of like trickery, like they're illegal, but they can get away with them because they know how to like implement them without the ref seeing it. Right. And like these guys who are faster, younger, you know, more gifted than them still lose to them because they don't know they don't know the game <laughs> the right. way Kanemaru knows the game. Right. So, yeah, that's the kind of funny thing. Is like, And he's probably going to lose most of the matches. He's another guy who's probably going to go four and five. Right. Or five, or five and four, one or the other. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, every, there was a time where I used to be like, oh, it's a Kanemaru match. I can skip it. But in this tournament, I've been enjoying everything he's doing. Yeah, he's been solid. Well, let's jump over to the B block now. So on top of the block here, we have uh, three guys with six points. Uh, the first guy we'll look at is the G-Rex champion, L. Lindemann. So he's six points, three wins, one loss on night four. He defeated Teton. On night six, he defeated TJP. And then on night seven, he defeated L. Desperado in the main event. So three big wins in a row here for L. Lindemann. Yeah, and I mean, he started off the tournament, like we mentioned earlier, with that loss to Doki, and a lot of people were, I, I think a lot, because it was so, it was still obviously so early in the tournament, but I think a lot of um, analysts and podcasts and reviewers and just voices that were out there were like, oh my God, Doki beat L. Lindemann, that's egregious, <laughs> and you know, and we're like, man, this really tells us a lot about how New Japan, maybe this New Japan putting Glate in their place, quote, unquote, you know what I mean? Yeah. Never mind the fact that, like, I think those of us who've been sticking with New Japan through the pandemic and really have been on the inside track understand that, like, Doki can beat someone on the first night because he's got this storyline where he's trying to improve on his positioning in the tournament year over year you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that wasn't i mean yes it was surprising to me but i didn't think that that was an indication of how the company felt about l lindeman and i feel like we've been vindicated 
about the way we felt on on that last week because look at where he is now. I mean, he beat Teton, he beat TJP, he beat Desperado, and um, all those matches for my money have been some of the best matches of the B block. I think El Lindemann's a standout guy. Maybe not the standout guy, but one of the major standout uh, competitors in the B block, like we already knew he was. For me, um, until today's show, I loved the Teton match. Like, I don't know what it is. The cage match users don't agree with me. The grapple users don't agree with me. But for for a long period, I thought El Lindemann versus Teton was the match of the tournament. Like, mm. I just – and you know what's funny? Joe and Rich over in VOW, they said the same thing on their show. They love that match too. So it was, I'm not crazy. It wasn't just me. But um, I loved him and Teton. Like, it really stood out to me as, like, a, a highly recommended match of the tournament. And then him and TJP had a clinic. And then, obviously, Lindemann versus Desperado, something we've been talking about since January of this year. And him coming into the tournament, like, that was a huge, huge money match. And I think they are wise to do that as the main event of today's Cork and Hall show. And you could tell, like, the tension was palpable all throughout that building, like, I think the reason that they had the largest attendance, you know, post-pandemic for a New Japan show in Cork, and a lot of it, not just because they lifted uh, restrictions, but I think a lot of it was built off the back of Lindemann versus Desperado. And I feel like they re- they went out there and they fucking killed it. That match was awesome. I thought it was match of the night on what was possibly a show of the year contender quite frankly just because that uh how awesome the show was top to bottom and yeah lindeman sitting at the top of the block he's a guy that i told you was like my my guy for the block as far as excitement and he's awesome yeah man lindeman can do so much like he, he is, can do the power stuff and with the suplexes and the throws and the, the, the snap germans and snap dragons and tiger suplexes he can do the high flying. He's, he's, he's big uh, topic on helos. And this guy is so fast and so intense. He's awesome. And, yeah, the, the main event today against Desperado was was an awesome main event. I thought a great showcase for Lindemann. And, he, to me, he kind of ate Despy up. Like, he was on Despy's back that whole match and wasn't really giving Despy room to breathe and really made a name for himself. And you heard the crowd kind of gasp and in shock that he uh, actually defeated Desperado there at the end. And so that was a big win for him. And like you mentioned, something that has been teased and been built for a while now. And so it's kind of cool to see him get the win. So now he's positioned on top of the block. He's still the G-Rex champ. He defended the title successfully. And um, Yeah, and I heard that match with Shigeru Erie, which that match happened during this tournament. So on one of the off nights, he literally defended the title against a stablemate. That match is supposed to be out of this world. It's got 9.09 on cage match. So, you know, this guy's putting in work overtime. Yeah. So having it's an, an awesome tournament thus far, like all his matches are like three and a half or above, and he's just killing it. Right now, uh, today's main event is the second highest rated match of the tournament on cage match. And for most of the day, that match didn't have ratings. So you know how those things go. This might still go up. It might go down a little bit before it's all said and done. But uh, yeah, people loving that match, uh, you know, from the initial ratings that we're seeing right now. Yeah. 
So the next guy tied up with six points is El Desperado. So on night four, Desperado, he defeated TJP. On night six, he defeated Wheeler, Utah. And then on night seven, he, like we just mentioned, he lost to Lindemann. Yes. So um, who did you say he faced on night six? Uh, Wheeler, Utah. Okay. So as of right now, that Wheeler, Utah match is the highest rated match of the tournament on cage match. Um, going into today's match, he was undefeated, perfect, unblemished record, and then obviously he lost to El Lindemann. Um, I gotta ask you a question, Jeremy. Do you feel like El Lindemann, or I'm sorry, El Desperado is the highest performer of the B block right now? Uh, like, like who's your MVP so far in the B block? I think the MVP, I think it is Desperado. Yeah, see, I didn't think that necessarily, personally speaking. But when I go on cage match, and I know I'm I'm utilizing cage match a lot because, um, truth be told, even though this tournament is awesome, there's not as much, like, buzz and excitement. There's definitely buzz and excitement about it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, definitely more so than probably a lot of the other tours that we've seen throughout this calendar year for new japan but compared to previous years it is still less than what we're used to from a super junior uh type of situation so that's sort of why i'm like referring to cage match so much but um all four of his matches are in the like top five or six matches of the tournament so far at least according to cage match uh reviewers they got him and Wheeler Utah number one, then El Lindemann, then the Teton match, then TJP. Uh, yeah, and then obviously him and Ishimori was before the tournament, but that, that would be like the, you know, uh, right in there with the rest of those matches as well. I personally don't know if I feel like El Desperado is the MVP. Um, maybe I'm wrong here, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it's a combination of two things. I feel like it's a combination of the fact that he's having the longest matches because he's in so many main events and the fact that there is this weird cultism about Desperado where there's like a rabid fan base that loves the guy. But like, I don't know, like for me, I feel like Phantasmo and Wheeler, or I'm sorry, Phantasmo, Eagles, Doki, no, yeah, Doki, Teton, and TJP, and L. Lindemann are all having better matches than, or at least performances in their matches than he is. So, like, I don't know if I'm crazy here, or I don't know if your ratings reflect this, but like, there's there's a very vocal uh, group out there that think that he's the top guy in the tournament. Maybe I'm just a hater. I don't know. Well, I'm looking back at my ratings, and I have Desperado having four star matches every match. He's had so far um, See and that's part of it I, I haven't felt that way I feel like the first match with uh, I only felt that way in the first match He had with um, Teton mm-hmm. um, Maybe today's El Lindemann match would be the other Exception I didn't really rate that one So that might be it But I didn't feel that way during the During the TJP Match or the uh the Wheeler Utah match. I was not as high on those as other people. I don't think. Hmm. 
it may be the thing where like he's in a block of a ton of good wrestlers, a ton of great wrestlers, and maybe like he's having a lot of great dance partners, so he's having a lot of great matchups so far, but maybe it's not necessarily him that's equaling those great matchups, maybe. Well, I don't want to say that because that would be me uh, just giving credit to the guys that he's with with and diminishing him, and that's not what I'm saying here at all. I don't think that that Wheeler Utah match with him was that great, and I didn't think the TJP match was all that great either, personally. Mm. Um, so that's where I stand on it. It's not like I feel like, oh, he's getting carried, because I don't think that's the case. I think he's one of the best guys in the group. Uh, I just I haven't been as high in the matches as other people are. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I've really enjoyed the matches. I thought I thought they've been great. Um, I really enjoyed. Also, today's main event was a lot of fun um, against uh, Lindemann. Uh, I really liked the Wheeler Utah match a lot too. Um, I expected a little bit more from that match, but I still thought it, it was a really good uh, main event. And the TJP match, uh, man, just, some of the counters in there were just so smooth and. You know, with TJP having that, you know, Lucha experience and be able to do some of that with Desperado, I thought that was a really uh, good main event as well. I will say this. I think that um, even though I might have some, you know, negative things to say about Desperado, I feel like he clearly feels like the leader of the block. And, yeah, he's not champion currently, but he still kind of carries that championship aura about him in this uh, tournament. And he's not having the super lengthy prolonged matches he was having in last year's tournament. And he's not dropping all the losses that he did in last year's tournament either. So it's like he, he's coming off as a very confident, strong, you know, uh, almost insurmountable type of foe in this tournament. Maybe that has something to do with, uh, you know, his run as the champion and his, heavyweight experience over the past couple of years wrestling guys like Shingo and, you know, Okada, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, that was a great build going into today's match with El Lindemann where he was undefeated and, you know, and that whole hype there, that was really cool. And then to see him take the loss in an unsuspected manner, um, he's still probably the favored guy in the block, I have to imagine. Yeah, definitely. I with all the main events he's having and just the way his schedule is slotted, he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to be alive towards the end of the tournament. The only thing, the only negative thing, though, about the remainder of his tournament is that the fun, cool, exciting first-time matches that were in front of him, they're all gone. So from here on out, we're going to be seeing seeing him wrestle guys like Watto, Doki, Eagles, Bushi, ELP, which the, and I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about those matches. There's a couple of them that I'm very excited for. But with that in mind, those are all New Japan domestic guys that we've seen him wrestle in the past. And so the first time matches are kind of gone. Yeah, um, so yes, maybe, you know, some of the, the hype and right. Great main events are going to taper down for him, and we're going to see some of the other top performers really shine in the rest of the tournament. One thing I liked, though, Kevin Kelly pointed out how he was running through the early part of the tournament, and they were all first-time matches, and it was like, wow, yeah, this is someone who he doesn't even need to prepare necessarily for these guys. He's at a certain skill level now to where even with a first-time challenge, first-time presentation – 
he has enough in the in the bag to beat these guys, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think Desperado has been doing very, very well. I just I think that some of the acclaim and hype that I'm seeing online might be overselling what I'm actually seeing on on my screen, anyways. Gotcha. Looking at the third guy here tied in first place with six points is El Fantasmo. I just realized that all the L's are in first place here. El Lindemann, El Desperado, and El Fantasmo. L means the. I know. (laughs) So the Lindemann, the Desperado, and the Fantasmo all with three and one six points. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How do you feel about the Fantasmo so far? (laughs) So the Phantasmo has been awesome. Uh, night four, he defeated Master Watto. Night six, he defeated Teton. And then on night seven, today show, he lost to our man Doki. But uh, Phantasmo has been... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down, enunciate. You said Doki way too fast. I barely <laughs> understood that you were saying the word Doki, okay? He lost to our man Doki. Doki. Thank um, you. But, man, Phantasmo has been having a very fun tournament this guy, he's the, the full gimmick is on. You know, he's doing this whole thing where he struts in the middle of his matches now, and the crowd claps along to the struts. Um, he has a light up jacket with the the DX colors and the X Pac gear, and he's just being super obnoxious. But he's also doing all of his cool flip moves. And um, man, he, this guy's just—he's just so good. And like, he's been having these really fun matches. Really great matches, showing the athleticism, showing his character, cutting these funny promos. Like, this guy has been so fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with all that assessment. There are a few things that, you know, you can say I'm being worked, whatever, but there's a few things where I'm just like, fuck this guy. (laughs) (laughs) But most of it is, like, healed him. Like, he's doing, like, certain, like, heel tactics and, like, just eye roll. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, he is having really good matches. Him, I think him and Watto was probably Watto's best match of the tournament, in my opinion so far. Um, I did like him and Teton. I didn't like the finish of him and Teton. I felt like that was a little weak with the the, the mask. Uh, Pulling he pulled off. off Teton's mask, and then with they didn't disqualify him. They put the mask back on Teton, which set up the sudden death and then the CR2. That was a little weak to me. Not I wasn't the biggest fan of that, just generally speaking. But um, the match he had with Doki today fucking ruled. I mean, it ruled. And not just because of the uh, creative finish, but that, this was a match where there was no ELP heal tactics hardly at all. It was just... Balls to the wall. They were under seven minutes, six minutes, 52 seconds, and they were flying. Dude. These guys were jumping off everything. This guy was like spamming all of his big moves. Like he did the, you know, the line salt thing he does. He, does, he did the spinning, the UFO neck yep. breaker. He's just doing move after move after move after move, all his big moves um, on just unleashing everything on Doki. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of, again, going back to what I said about today's show, earlier when you have that many singles matches you want a variety especially in a raucous uh cork and hall crowd like they had here so different matches offered different things and this was like boom 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 these guys were doing high flying but most of it like you mentioned was phantasma sort of eating up doki and i was like either doki's getting squashed 
and the whole Doki Hope run is over. <laughs> or um, ELP's being way too cocky and Doki's about to upset this dude. And lo and behold, <laughs> uh, they played off uh, the famous finish between uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Great Sasuke, which was uh, a recommended match of the week uh, a while back. One of the ones that I recommended from the J Cup where uh, Sasuke was supposed to jump up from the outside onto the ropes and do a, a springboard whatever to Liger, but he trips and busts his face on the mat. And while he does that, Liger just does this cocky, like, you know, sort of mocking gesture and tries to pick him up off the ground. And apparently when Sasuke was supposed to come off of the ropes, that was supposed to be the finish of the match, but he botched it. And so to save it, you know, Liger does his taunt, goes to grab him, and they go into a, a fucking small package, and he upsets Liger. Well, that's the exact finish of what happened today. Doki goes to the top, does the botch, falls into the ground. Um, ELP literally does the exact same, you know, taunting gesture that uh, Liger did. And like an idiot, goes for goes to pick the dude up and gets a small package. Like, he's seen the match. He knows what's going to happen. He does the same gesture, and he still doesn't have the foresight to think, uh-uh-uh, not going not gonna to put myself in danger here. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, Kevin Kelly was fucking just dying at this uh, match finish, and Chris Charlton was geeking out over the historical aspects of it. Yeah, and I was loving it because Doki was awesome, and he beat this guy. It, it was, was awesome. It was so awesome. Yeah, he went. He's going for daybreak DT, and he he slipped, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like he's having this good match, and then I knew I knew he didn't slip because you know why I knew he didn't slip was because he didn't actually land on the ropes. He was under the ropes, and he did a forward roll, and I was like, "That looks that." It definitely looked like he slipped, but I was like. That looks too much like a wrestling school forward roll. Like that's on purpose. Like this guy. <laughs> yeah, and roll that man up. Got the big win, and Doki doing the, the crotch chops to ELP at the end. He's like, suck it, suck it, suck it, suck it. <laughs> it was hilarious. I don't, I, I don't think I caught that. Oh my gosh, bro! You you have to go back and watch. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, I mean. Um, ELP, yeah, his first loss of the tournament, um, along with uh, uh, the Desperado, both of them eating their first losses of the tournament today. Yeah. So moving on to guys who are at four points, we got a few of them here. First, from the Blackpool Combat Club, the ROH Pure Champion, Wheeler, Utah, with two wins, two losses on night four. He defeated Doki. On night six, he lost Desperado. And then on night seven, he defeated Ibushi. I I think the jury is still out on Wheeler, Utah. Um, he had the match with Desperado. People loved it. Like I said, I wasn't as high on it personally. I also wasn't as high on the match that he had in the beginning of the tournament with Robbie Eagles. So maybe I'm off on an island here and I'm just crazy. Um, but you know, the match with Doki was one where I thought that that was going to be like blow away and it was good. Actually, everything he's done in the tournament has been good, but where some of these other outsiders from North America, 
like Alex Zane and, uh, you know, um, Ace Austin really have made a connection. They made an impact. They're being well received and everything like that. I feel like Wheeler Utah is still sort of trying to find his foot, his foothold in this tournament. I don't feel that the crowd is receptive to him the same way that they are of those guys. Um, and maybe, maybe that's not the goal. I don't know. Maybe this is sort of like a learning excursion, quote unquote, mm-hmm. sort of environment. And, you know, it's, it, he's in this place to, to learn valuable lessons before he goes back to AEW. That might be a big part of it. But there was a big part of me that thought that he would come in with the Blackpool Combat Club sort of violent streak and kind of get that over here in Japan. And I don't think that's happened just yet. I mean, I don't think the crowd's necessarily booing him, but uh, I, I just don't feel that he's made that stride and that wave to where he's over to the degree that some of the other outsiders are so far. Right. You can look at the, the signs, the shirts. You can look at the the online reaction. Like, I'm not seeing a ton of people send drawings of Wheeler, Utah, and we're seeing that for Ace Austin and Alex Zane. And I don't know what that why that is. I guess like, for whatever reason, he's just not clicking or connecting with the Japanese audience quite yet. And I think he's been having some very good matchups, but I, I think I was expecting a little bit more, especially, especially after the, the Moxley match, the Danielson matches in AEW, and just the kind of push he was getting there. I was, like you, I was expecting the more aggressive, more of a push, more kind of defined Wheeler, Utah. And I feel like we're still kind of getting, he's like still trying to figure out how aggressive he needs to be. And it's kind of more of him kind of, it's almost kind of a step back in the character. Like I feel like since he's been teaming with Mox and Danielson, like he's been more aggressive, but now he's kind of took a step back and he's trying to find that aggressiveness in Japan. Um, well, you know, it's a, it's a totally different animal being set up as the hot tag guy in a multi-man tag match where you can get your shit in and everybody comes in and they're all throwing elbows at the same time and he's doing the dives at the hot spots and then, you know, they're all doing submissions at the same time. Like, that's, you know, I don't want to diminish that and say it's easy, but it's definitely easier than being the focus highlight of a, you know, um, Round robin ten match tournament like Super Juniors is. This is a completely different animal than going out and having a six man tag against you know the factory on a Wednesday night with a hot crowd for dynamite. It's not the same thing whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I don't want to turn this into an AEW discussion podcast. That's not really what we are. But I will tell you this, and I've had this conversation with Rich. Uh, privately on the phone and what's up rich uh i might be camp cornet when it comes to this whole thing with wheeler utah Mm, not not a fan no i'm not saying i'm not a fan i'm saying that i don't think he's deserving of the push that he's been getting on tv comparatively speaking to what he actually is i don't think he has the charisma or the resume to warrant the kind of push that he's been getting when like their world champion isn't getting the same kind of attention, which I think is much more. And and I think long-term 
it's a bad investment. I don't think I think he's a guy that has a lot to offer and is very talented and has a bright future, but I don't see him as a breakout superstar. I don't see him as being a guy that's going to change the industry or be one of their mainstay players like uh you know uh the AEW fans like to talk about pillars. Yeah. He's not a pillar. Trust me when I say that. He's not a Sammy Guevara, he's not a Darby Allen, he's not an MJF. I'll leave it at that. And uh, I think that this tournament is a good thing for him. It will probably be beneficial. But I think that this tournament might be an indication, and I think I'm buying in early on this, that, like, if I was shorting stock, I would short the fucking Wheeler Utah stock. I would. Mm. Yeah, those are some good thoughts. And maybe, yeah, maybe that does have to kind of play into why he's not living up to maybe what people are expecting in this tournament and having these, you know, nightly bangers because we kind of are being shown one thing on AEW, but we're kind of seeing the real uh, here on new Japan. Hey, if he had, you know, the Blackpool combat club coming out with him, I'm sure he'd be over as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if the whole crew like flew out with him and they're all there and they're traveling and they're like seconding him and that's all they're doing, you know, like TK was like, you know what, Mox and Brian and, you know, Regal, go get my boy over in Japan. Maybe we'd be having a different discussion. But unfortunately, he's there by himself. And Willie Utes is a good guy, but he's not a great promo. He's not super charismatic. And I think he's still finding himself at, as far as figuring out how to wrestle for his gimmick. Yeah. So uh, looking at the next person with four points, Bushi, who's also two and two. So Bushi defeated Robbie Eagles on night four. He defeated Master Wato on night six. And then on night seven, like we mentioned, he lost to Wheeler, Utah. Bushi's going to Bushi, and that's what he's doing. Yeah. I I mean, don't, <laughs> he's Bushi, bro. It's exactly <laughs> what we said on the preview. He's going to come out, great suits, great mask. He's going to do the Bushi Rooney. He's going to try for the MX. He might win, but he's probably going to lose, and that's exactly what we've gotten here so far. Bushi going to go, like, what, 6-3, and 5-4, and four, somewhere in that range. He's 2-2, two and two, so he's right on pace. Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing him go 6-3 and three in this block. Okay, uh, yeah, so 5-4 and four or 4-5, four and five, one of the two. Yeah, I mean, in this block, I, I could see him being 3-6. and six. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeremy's trying to actively, like, demote Bushi on purpose. Bro, look, look at this block. Like, look who he has left. I, I get he, he can, quote, unquote, beat anybody. But, like, I don't know. There's some stiff competition here. Yeah, it's possible. I don't have anything more to say. I mean, like we said, he's two and two. He's not having – he's the yo of this block. Yeah, I, I would take Tiger except Mask. for like except for like with Yo, we can really lament what could have been and chastise him and all that. But with Bushi, that ship's so far past. There's nothing to discuss. It's like it's Bushi. Yeah, I was very surprised he beat Robbie Eagles on night four. I'm not because he. He upsets people. That's what he does in this tournament. He's gonna beat some guys. He's gonna lose to most of them. 
He's bougie. He's like, come out, he's going to hit an MX. He's going to dress super fucking cool and have mid-matches. It's bougie. Yeah. I don't, Let's move on. I don't have much more to add. Let's talk about Robbie Eagles, who's also at four points on night four. Like we mentioned, he lost to Bushi. On night six, he defeated Doki. And then on night seven, he lost to Master Watto. Yeah, so um, Eagles, a guy who has during the pandemic era, won the junior title, really had a great accounting of himself in these super juniors tournaments. Um, And I think he's another individual that right now uh, the storyline is like, it's not that he's regressing from a a skill standpoint, but the field is just that much tougher. The interesting thing though, is that the two guys that have beat him, Watto and Bushi are, some of the lesser competition from a kayfabe standpoint within the field, which leads me to think that like Eagles is doing jobs for those guys so that he can pick up wins over some of the stronger opponents later on. And I do, I do still consider him uh, someone who's going to be in play later on down the, uh, and we've said, you know, it's funny. We've said this in the past and they've been proven wrong, but I don't think I will be proven wrong this time. I do think he's still going to have a very strong tournament. Um, because it's going to take another two losses for him to really be knocked out. So I see him being in play on the second to last or last night and picking up some pretty big wins over big names uh, going down the stretch of the tournament. And uh, aside from that, just as far as performance goes, I think Eagles has been outstanding in this tournament. And also his new gear. I, I know we said it before, but his gear is awesome this time. Yeah, Gear's awesome. He's awesome. Like again, you can tell he's a guy that definitely has been connected with the Japanese audience. The the push has worked with him being the champion last year, and he's just an, an outstanding performer. And he's a uh, one of the the gels here in this B block, having great matches in and out every night. And even guys like Bushi and Master Watto, he's having really good matches with these guys and making them look good and putting them over. Uh, the Doki match was um, a lot of fun as well. And so, like you mentioned, he still has a lot of big names to go in this tournament. And he's lost to, you know, two of the guys on the lower end, which I think is a good thing for his outlooks. I think with him, lo- like, like you mentioned, with him losing to those guys, I think he is going to end up beating more of the top names in this block. And he's already beat Wheeler, Utah. And so I think going down a stretch, he's going to beat some of these other bigger names and be in contention coming into the final nights. So uh, let's take a look now at Doki, who's also at four points, two and two on night four. He lost to Wheeler, Utah on night six. He lost to Robbie Eagles. And then like we mentioned on today's show, he defeated El Phantasmo. Yeah. As much as we love Doki and as much as we, uh, praise him by the way did you know he speaks english yeah there's this whole bit going with him and kevin kelly where kevin kelly didn't realize he spoke english and like doki got mad at kevin kelly okay i didn't know he spoke english either like that means there's a possibility we could have doki on this podcast (laughs) let's do it like i don't see why not like let's let's get the man on here dude uh, i'd love to have doki on here (laughs) someone go out there and make a compilation of all the like uh, great things we've said about Doki over the years and like compile that. So we can be like, 
we we want to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Doki's not winning this tournament. He's not a guy that's seriously going to be in play. I think that the two things that stand in front of him that are compelling for his character and story arc are well, actually three things. Number one, just being a spoiler in general, being a guy that can upset anybody at any point in the tournament. That's kind of the role he's in where in the past, that wasn't the case in the super juniors. He was a guy that literally was like, is he going to win a match? Period. Is that even going to happen? And, and, you know, we're, we're past that now. And, so he, he can pretty much play spoiler in this tournament, which is great. Number two, he has the big upcoming match with Desperado, interfactional, the heated uh, segment they had with one another during the press conference. That's going to be a huge emotional sort of encounter for him and be this big test that can he overcome you know, the premier junior within his own faction, someone that has had very inflammatory things to say about him and kind of put him down and put a lot of blame on him for the match they had at Takataichi Mania and just his general career trajectory. So that's a huge part. And then finally, um, can he improve his general record year over year within the super juniors? And uh, in this field, that is a pretty tough proposition. I don't know if he's going to actually be able to do that, but if he is, you know, it is going to be a little bit of a a, a moral victory, but there are those who are, who are fans of Doki that are like, I hope he does it. I don't know if he will or not, but we'll see. Yeah, I think the good outlook for him right now is the fact he's he's already at four points at this point in the tournament you know normally he's picking up his wins at the very end like he's winning on the last night or the last two nights but he already has two wins secured so far so he only needs one more to well, last year last year he picked up his two wins in the beginning oh yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah and then he started losing almost exclusively the whole time yeah uh, but I still think it's a good thing that he has these these wins early, and I think he could potentially eke out one more win and beat last year's uh, record. I think he's going to beat Desperado. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but like, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be crazy? Dude, that would be wild, especially in a main <laughs> event. I think I think it's one of the Corkins main events this week. Uh, there's a part of me that's like that's kind of unrealistic. Like he'll probably it'll probably be similar to the match he had with uh, Taichi mm-hmm. earlier in the year at Ta- Taichi Mania, where it's like he just came up short, but you know they had this emotional bonding. But I'm hoping that's not what happens. I hope like he hits that suplex de Luna or whatever the fuck it is he hits and beats this man, dude. That dude. I'm sure the crowd would would not care. Like they would lose it. Like if Doki beats Despi, like that would be so awesome. I'm gonna flip my desk. <laughs> my desk isn't even in a position where I can flip it. It's against the wall, so I'm gonna like Just turn it over. turn it turn it the opposite <laughs> way. Oh man, but yeah, that that would be awesome. But yeah, Doki, he's been a ton of fun to watch. Uh, I love him calling out Utah about you know his lucha and the, the seatbelt move that he uses and you know calling out all the lucha hipsters and telling that the true origins of moves and their their real names that's always a lot of fun apparently him and robbie 
Eagles have also had like a feud going, like a friendly feud where they're like cutting promos leading up to their match where they're both using um, like famous uh, like sports entertainment phrases from other wrestlers, but incorrectly (laughs) on each other. So like, I don't know what's, I don't know. I haven't been watching the backstage promos, but I saw a few clips from it. It's like, your name is Robbie Eagles. It doesn't matter that your name is Robbie Eagles. I'm like, I don't think he understands it completely. And I saw that. What you going to do, brother? Oh, he said that? Yes. I didn't see that. Dude, Doki has been so funny with the promos and the crotch chop on the LP. It's, man, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Doki is the anti Yeah, Naito has no clue what ECW is. I guarantee you Doki knows what the fuck ECW is. Like, this man's a... Uh, of course. That man was watching uh, Super Crazy and Psychosis. He's a deep wrestling nerd, bro. He knows he knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, so, moving on to the next person here with two points. Teton. One win, three losses. On night four, he lost to L. Lindemann. On night six, he lost to L. Fantasmo. And then he got his first win in the tournament by defeating TJP on night seven. Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, you know, Teton, he, like you mentioned, he's only got two points. Uh, just picked up the win against TJP. But for me, I think he might be, from a performance standpoint, like my standout guy of the block. Dude. Like, he's just going out there and just fucking killing it, bro. Like, he's having – he's like, I know we were singing his praises last week after that match with uh, Desperado, but, like, it's just been more of the same match over match. I loved the Lindemann match. I thought, aside from the finish, him and Phantasma was great, and then him and TJP was awesome. From dude, today. yeah, that match was so good. And, dude, Teton's a madman. He did the double stomp to the outside, to the floor, yep. to TJP. Yep. And this guy, he's another guy that's doing a lot of risk of his body. And, you know, we've seen this guy in previous Super Juniors where he's just kind of middle of the road. And um, he had some good matches, but I feel like he's improved so much since the 2019 Super Juniors. And, has really come into his own and really developed himself over in CMLL. And now he's having these standout matches with everybody and these great, you know, main events and he's doing these cool high-risk maneuvers and mixing it in with the, some strikes and stuff like that. And he's looking really flashy, really cool. And, you know, with a lack of a Dragon Lee and a Voldor Jr., he's really stepping in into that, that luchador spot and being the top kind of standout luchador right now. The way he's wrestling compared to the previous years, he's basically saying one thing to me. Ain't going to be a Dragon Lee. Ain't going to be a Volador Jr. Ain't going to be a Mascara Dorada. This is the real right here. (laughs) Teton. Okay? If anyone's going to get these Japanese spots and sell my merch over in Tokyo and, you know, be working these tours, his name is Teton. Okay? (laughs) Yeah, man. man. He's he's on that Doki, not going back. Like, yes. This man's trying to get a contract. <laughs> don't be don't be surprised if in January, like instead of like he's like, I am no longer named Teton. My new name going forward is <laughs> Giant. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, dude, Teton, he he's been awesome having these really uh good matchups also the tournament. I mean, his point total not looking so good right now. 
Again, he would have to reel off, um, you know, five wins in a row to get six and three and potentially be in contention to win. I don't think that's going to happen. He's probably going to be one of those five and four or four and five guys, but he's done right. a, a great accounting for himself in this tournament. And like you mentioned, you know, with Dragon Lee, who knows where he's at right now, and uh, Volder Jr. and some of these guys not being brought in, this is really elevating Teton's stock, and maybe he's the new Luchador guy that we see going forward. You notice they've never mentioned one time that he is a CMLL world champion. Yeah, they've never mentioned it. He doesn't have a title with him. That shit don't exist. <laughs> yeah, because they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to beat this guy a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> They're like, you might want to keep that title at home. We, we won't mention you're a champion, so nobody feels bad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but moving on to the next guy, also of two points. TJP, the public enemy of the United Empire. On night four, he lost to Desperado. On night six, he lost to L. Lindemann. And then he um, lost to Teton on night seven. Yeah, TJP's awesome. Again, and you always kind of have to preface it this way, but like, Say what you will about his personal life. Say what you will about his online social media presence and everything like that. The the man can wrestle, and he's really wrestling out here. I mean, uh, you know, for for those fans who are like the wrestling fans, quote unquote, people that like like the Brian Danielson and the Grapple Fuck and all that sort of stuff. That's TJP, and he's turning it up in this tournament, and he's just been awesome. Like, there's, there's no, like, if ands, or buts about it. And he's going out there every single night and just he's so technically sound, so athletically gifted, so fast. Uh, yeah, he rules. And um, like we said, I loved the match with Teton, but also the El Lindemann and El Desperado. I'm, now, granted, those are three of the better guys in the tournament that he's uh, been paired up with in those matches. But he's held his own by all measure, and uh, yeah, he's been great. Yeah, we had a question here from MJSPR. TJP quietly having a very good best of Super Junior. I don't really think it's quietly. It might be quietly if you are a TJP hater and you're you're going to hate him regardless of what he actually does in the ring. Um, but if you actually been watching the matches, like you said, like this guy is such a great professional wrestler. He is so smooth. His um, transitions and reversals and the way he gets into holds and submissions is just so slick and he is so fast. Like he, this guy is such a good, such a great professional wrestler, and he's out here having these uh, great matches, getting invested um, in these matchups. I, I love the Desperado match, the Lindemann match was awesome, the Teton match was awesome as well, and I think he's going to continue to have these very good matches. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he is sort of, again, in like a senior role where he's working to get uh, other individuals over. It's kind of unique with TJP because he's been so far apart from this tournament. They, they mentioned like there might not be anyone else that's been uh, so far removed from their first initial debut in the tournament to now returning as him in the history of all of Super Juniors. But even with that still being the case, I mean, he's so world-traveled and had experiences all over in all these different major companies. But 
yet at the same time always still been an Inoki Dojo trainee, a guy that's always still at the heart of it been connected to New Japan. You know, everywhere he's gone, it's always been like TJP, Inoki, you know, Dojo alumni. Right. And that's kind of like playing out here, um, seeing him make his return to this tournament. And he's just kind of like, in a certain sense, schooling all the guys he wrestled. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I mean, like, look at the guys he's wrestling. Teton, Lindemann, Desperado. He's kind of been schooling them. Not to say he's better than them, but from like, there's wrestling and then there's working. And uh, those guys are all great workers. But in terms of like the technical aspects of wrestling, like, I don't know. TJP might be the best guy in the block. Yeah, he's... It's just incredible It's how smooth he is. It's the way he moves, like, the way he runs the ropes, the way he gets in and out of the ring, his transitions. Like, he's such a he's smart. He's fucking proficient. Yeah, he's so awesome. Uh, yeah. He's been one of the best guys to watch in this block, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of his matchups. And he is down 1-3 uh, <laughs> right now. So, again, he's another guy that's going to have to reel off uh, five wins. Um, he's not a guy I see coming back. Yeah. Um, but but I think he's still having a fantastic tournament. Yeah, I, I think people thought maybe he might be a lot. I think he he's facing Utah. I don't think on the last um, block night. I don't. I I think some of the thoughts we had initially about him being, if anything, I think Wheeler Utah will still be alive, and I think TJP might beat him on that final night to like spoil him. Yep. Yeah, that's what that's my prediction. Yeah, makes sense to me. So looking at the last guy in the block here, also with two points, way to the Grand Master, Master Wato, one half of the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions on night four. He lost to Phantasmo on night six. He lost to Bushi, and then on night seven he beat Robbie Eagles. Um, I don't want to wax poetic for too long about Watto. Um, he is what he is. With that being said, uh, I don't want to like throw the word out much improved because we've talked about the improvements of him year over year in the past, but what he has been incorporating into this tournament that I think has been cool is the high death defying action that's kind of been missing a little bit in the in the last like few big like super junior performances from him we've seen him like improve technically but a lot of that high flying stuff that he was doing when he first came in that was getting him over with this podcast that stuff sort of went away yeah and now it's coming back which has been fun Everything else that I don't like about Watto is still there. You know, the the charisma hole and all that and the way he's booked and his look and, you know, the character, that's all there. And, you know, there's nothing much more to say. I don't know. You know, ultimately, I think most of his uh, arc in the tournament is based around the fact that he's part of six or nine and one half of the junior tag titles. They're probably establishing junior tag you know, um, challengers and, and situations through this tournament for him and also giving him needed experience. But, uh, you know, he's one in three for a reason. <laughs> uh, and that's about it. Like, I don't have much more to say. I will say this, though, before I kick it over to you. 
I would not rather see Tiger Mask in this tournament over him. He's on the border, but I think he's doing enough cool, fun stuff to where I'm like, okay, well, at least, you know, he's high flying, so let's leave him here. You know, we don't need Tiger Mask for him necessarily. Yeah, I think Watto has been uh, consistently very good in all his performances. Um, like you mentioned, he's re- really incorporating a lot of kind of the, the lucha sequences, the kind of you know the dive over the opponent roles and stuff like that. He's been doing the torneo every night and been looking really good. And kind of part of the story, at least that Kevin Kelly has been telling, is he's been going for the the RPP, which is his version of the spiral tap. And he hasn't been able to hit that. And he's kind of abandoned his submission, the, the Bendaval submission, um, and going for this RPP every night. And Kevin Kelly. He did go for it today. Yeah. Uh, he, he went for the Vendaval almost straight out the gate against Robbie Eagles, uh, which kind of showed the seriousness of what he was, you know, how he was handling that match. Mm-hmm. But like you mentioned, prior to that, he didn't even get the Vendaval on anybody in the tournament. Yeah, and Kevin Kelly's been saying, yeah, why is he wasting time going up to the top? He should be, he seems the Vendaval work. It tapped out Despy earlier in the year. Like, he's been able to get some wins with that. But he's been, you know, he's in Super Juniors. He's trying to do high-flying and flashy stuff. So he's trying to hit that RPP, but it hasn't worked out um, so far. But he has got a couple, oh, he's got one win so far. Um, And I don't expect him to get too many more wins. Uh, I think he'll probably be four and five. Um, you know, it's it's like one of those guys you mentioned where he really thrive in having a single block with um, just the domestic guys because it's less guys. You, you can get more points. Um, but now he's in, um, you know, a separate, whole separate block with outside guys, outside ta- outside talent. It's the pool. The talent deeper is higher now. So it's going to be hard for him to get points. You know, I don't know if it's because you were on a Bible podcast or what, but I've had a lot of references to like uh, – biblical statements throughout this podcast, but you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword for Watto. You live by the high risk off the top rope maneuver. You die by the high risk off the top rope maneuver. That's kind of been his trajectory throughout the tournament. And yeah, he hasn't been landing that RPB, but eventually he will probably. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our discussion on the B block. We have some other questions here about the tournament. If you notice, we only had one guy in this whole block that we'd rather replace with Tiger Mask, and that was Bushi. In block A, there's three of them. So, yeah, B, tells you something. B block is the better block, for sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure about that, but now, given how things have been playing out, yes, I 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, so, Lobster Brisket says, Hey, guys, in your opinion, which wrestler stock has risen the most so far during Best of the Super Juniors? Well, I don't know if we've ever been asked a question by Lobster Brisket, so thank you for the question. And um, I would say, for me, Alex Zane. Yeah, I would agree. I would say Alex Zane, definitely. Uh, Heavenly Halbeard says, while it's still hard to tell in a clap crowd environment, which of the foreign wrestlers brought over seems the most over? I think it's probably be the same answer. Again, might be Alex Zane, but given the reports we're hearing and what we've been seeing, it also could very well be Ace Austin. Ace Austin. Yeah. Uh, Mark Nato, 1990. Do you see any early signs of how the tournament will go for the competitors? Will the competitors with zero points 
go on a streak to bring them back in play, or will they end with very few points? I don't think there's anyone that's going to end with very few points. Uh, we kind of gave you sort of the general trajectories that we're seeing for each individual that we sort of discussed just now. Um, but like we mentioned, there's no young lines in here, so there's nobody that's going to just go win. In fact, right now there is nobody that's winless in the tournament. When he asked that question, there probably was, but right now there's not. Yeah, everybody who didn't have a point got their points on today's show, uh, Night 7 show. Um, and so, yeah, nobody's going winless. But, I mean, there's probably going to be some people who get some lower points, but for the most part, a lot of these guys are probably going to be in that 4 and 5 range. Uh, Muzza asks, he says, if you had to put all the outsider talents from Best Super Juniors into the New Japan Stables, where would you put them? Well, that's a great question. So, I mean, you give a, give me the name, Jeremy, and then we'll each give our, you know, where we think we see them being. All right, let's start with Alex Zane. Oh, Alex Zane. Um, geez, <laughs> this is kind of hard. It's weird because, uh, hmm, Bullet Club. Hmm. I, I kind of want to say Suzuki Goon, just because he's he kind of has that grimy look to him. Yeah, I could see that, but he's not enough of a shooter, in my opinion, to to really fit into that group. But I could see him fitting into Bullet Club. True. true. I mean, I mean, you could say Hantai, but I could see him as some black and white. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, what about Ace Austin? Oh, um, Taguchi Japan. <laughs> I, I could see Ace Austin in Bullet Club. I could see him in Bullet Club. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is there's not that many factions. <laughs> what about Team Filthy? <laughs> uh, anybody else is not in a faction. Let's see. Um, Wheeler Utah. Well, I mean. He's not in chaos. <laughs> you know what? Actually, actually, that's where I would put ASOS in this chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, Akira's already in the United Empire. Clark Connors. I mean, he's. I don't know. He's in the LA Dojo. That's a that's a faction, baby. <laughs> uh, Lindemann. I mean, he represents Strong Hearts. He's in Strong Hearts. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I would put Alex Zane in Bull Club, and I would put Ace Austin in Chaos. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, MJ's PR says best entrance music of Best of Super Juniors. Clark Clark Connors entrance music is a banger. I I can't really you know actually I like Lindemann's music. Yeah, his music's cool. I, I do like I've always liked Clark Connors music. It's it's a little. It's like mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, Hiromu's music's always awesome. I don't know. I've been skipping through the entrances, so I don't really know. Um, I like Eagle's theme uh, a lot also. Uh, let's see, moving on here. Uh, Les Commission 7252 says, Through these six nights, can you guys say that the news newcomers, as in Zane, Austin, Utah, Akira, and more in the tournament has shined the brightest than the Japanese talent in Yo, Ishimori, Hiromu, El Esperado, and more. Yeah, you could say that, but you know what? Um, I think a lot of the way that this tournament's been booked, 
it's been booked in a way to give them the spotlight and shine to really make that sort of statement for themselves. Because I think that going forward, New Japan knows that they need some fresh names and some fresh guys to really play those roles moving forward for whoever it is that's going to be at the top of the division to defeat new challengers, new obstacles, and, you know, marketable names. And this is a great launching point for some of those guys who will be making their return to the company moving forward. So I'm not surprised by that whatsoever. Uh, But, you know, you look at the point totals and that tells you a different story. It's not like Desperado and Ishimori and Hiromu are getting sunned by these guys. You know what I mean? Right. Like those guys are still, you know, either middle of the pack or at the bottom of the card, except for like maybe say Lindemann, who is a domestic star as well. Right. Yeah. I think that it's a, it was necessary to, to get these guys over. We've talked about, you know, the junior division has been built a lot on bringing in foreign talent into the division. And so with the pandemic, we haven't had that. And so now we finally have some foreigners here. So, Let's get them over and create some new rivalries, some new matchups. Uh, so, Les Commission also asked, who would you guys like to see stay in Japan after the best of Super Junior Tour? I would like to see Alex Zane stay with him being the outstanding MVP in the A block so far. Plus, it would bring more flavor to the dry junior division. Like they say, more sauce you have, the better it tastes. You know, the question I ask myself is, who can I see not returning? Because normally in these Super Juniors, you have names of guys that don't come back that often. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't feel that way this year. This feels like integrating. they're integrating a lot of these guys for long-term purposes almost across the board. You know, the only person that I'm like – I kind of feel like might not, and I know I sound biased here, but I feel like I'm not, I just got to be honest. I don't feel like Wheeler Utah's going to be coming back. Yeah, but and I, I think Utah's going to be utilized probably as a heavyweight, probably going forward if he were to come back in New Japan, though. Yeah, maybe, but also beyond that, he's just more of an AEW guy. I just don't see him being around too much, but like Alex Zane just, given the connection between him and his long ties to strong and how he's getting over, he feels like he's being integrated. Francesco Kier is already part of United empire. Clark Connors is a dojo guy. El Lindemann is a strong hearts guy. So as long as they're still working with the company, he's going to be around. Um, the, the, the other question is ACE Austin. How much more will he, will he be returning? And, I mean, he's definitely getting more over than some of the other names in the past, like, say, an ACH or a Jonathan Gresham or, uh, like, uh, oh, man, why do I forget his name? Who was uh, Flip Gordon? Oh, Flip, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, guys that were introduced from other outside companies that had good showings but didn't get over with the audience – He's not quite that. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. The only outsider right now that I just don't feel like has a full connection and also from a political standpoint doesn't have a full route to just be coming back all the time unless things change 
over the next stretch of the tournament for me is Wheeler Utah. Everyone else I feel like is going to be in play to some degree. Well, remember, he was a strong guy first, and a lot, I do. a lot of those AEW guys have been continuing to work strong going forward. So, but that's, not, that's not working in Japan. Right. <laughs> that is different. Yeah. So, we'll see whether or not Utah uh, comes back. But And he could. I, I could be wrong here. Yeah, but I, I can see him being back maybe not for Super Junior. So. Why? He's small. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't really work like a junior, and he's tall, and so they could use that to get him out of the division. Yeah, but he needed to put on some muscle. Yeah, he needs to hit, hit the weights like uh, Sabre did. Yeah. All right. And, and, and like Adam Cole doesn't. <laughs> uh, so we have a lot of nights coming up in uh, this next coming week for the next time we record. Do you want to go back and forth? Going over the, the cards, or you just kind of want to graze over this? Yeah, we can go back and forth, just running down the card, and then after after each of us runs down the card, maybe give a match we're looking forward to. I don't know. Yeah. All right. You you want to start with uh, night eight? Sure. So night eight. This is uh, coming up tomorrow, or by the time this you know drops today, uh, we have a block action: Ace Austin versus Alex Zane. In the B block, we have Bushi versus Doki. Third match of the night, Akira versus Clark Connors. Fourth match of the night, Teton versus Wheeler Utah. Fifth match of the night, El Phantasma versus El Lindemann. Sixth match of the night, Taguchi and Sho. Seventh match of the night, Kanemaru and Ishimori. Eighth match of the night, TJP and Robbie Eagles. The semi-main event is The Desperado versus Wato. And your main event, Hiromu Takahashi versus... Yo, the hoe. <laughs> um, I think the match I'm looking forward to is going to be the opener, uh, Ace Austin and Alex Zane. Yeah, I think the crowd's going to really be split there. That's a pretty important match for both of them from a point standpoint. I definitely agree with you. Uh, the other one that I'm um, anticipating is the Phantasmo versus the Lindemann. Mm. Oh, also, uh, TJP and Eagles could be a great yeah. match. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here, and we're going to be seeing a lot of that with these full block tournament shows, but definitely so. Yeah, so then uh, night nine on Thursday, May 26th, show open up. We got Teton versus Master Wato, TJP versus Doki, Yoshinobu Kanamaru versus Clark Connors, Rizuke Gucci versus Alex Zane, Yo versus Francisco Akira. El Lindemann versus Wheeler Utah, Taiji Ishimori versus Ace Austin, Bushi versus El Desperado, Hiromu Takahashi versus Sho, El Fantasmo versus Robbie Eagles. Well, you know, in a different lifetime, Hiromu versus Sho would have been my most anticipated match of the night. Um, but since we are not there, uh, for me, hmm. You know, there's two on paper that look really good to me. Uh, Lindemann versus Wheeler, Utah is, you know, for all the, you know, um, negative things I might have said about Wheeler, Utah, him and Lindemann still sounds really awesome. And then Ishimori versus ASOS, next division champion versus IWGP champion. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a cool matchup. 
Uh, I'm thinking Phantasmo and Eagles. I mean, we know the history between those guys, and they're in the main event. I think that one's going to be fire. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for sure. Uh, the next night, this is uh, night 10. We start the night off with Kenemaru and Akira, uh, Frank Kira, as he is known in these parts. Um, second match of the night, we have Taiji Ishimori versus Clark Connors. Third match of the night, Bushi versus Teton. Fourth match of the night, Taguchi and Sho. Fifth match of the night, wait, this is wrong because you've got Sho versus Ace Austin again. Oh, man. Cage, cage, cage match let me down. Show is pulling double duty. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me see if I can get the right matchup here. From uh, I'm guessing one of them has to be Yo. Yeah, maybe that Yo got copied uh, twice here. Hold on, hold on, pulling up the schedule on New Japan. So this would be I am the table. <laughs> the Saturday, the Saturday show. So let's see. It's Yo versus it's Yo versus Taguchi, and okay. Show versus Ace Austin. Taguchi versus Yo in the fourth match of the night. Fifth match of the night, Sho versus Ace Austin. Sixth match of the night, we got uh, Wato versus Yuta. Seventh match of the night, TJP versus El Fantasmo. Eighth match of the night, Eagles and Lindemann. Uh, semi-main event, to, uh, Takahashi versus Alex Zane. And the main event, El Desperado versus Doki. I mean, it's Despi and Doki all day, man. Yeah, there's some good matches on this show, but Desperado and Doki has like been my most anticipated match of the tournament. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but that semi-main event, Hiromu and Alex Zane has got craziness written all over it. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna be a wild one. So then on night eleven, Sunday, May 29th, we got Master Wato versus El Lindeman, Doki versus Teton, Yo versus Alex Zane. TJP versus Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi versus Clark Connors, uh, Rizka Gucci versus Ace Austin, El Fantasma versus Wheeler Utah, Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus Sho, Taiji Ishimori versus Francisco Akira, and El Desperado versus Robbie Eagles. Huh. Um, yeah, this is an interesting show because from a certain standpoint, um, it's not like there's too many matches on here where I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can't wait to see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we're, like, coming up on the tail end of the tournament here, and so most of these matches, regardless of, like, the sexiness factor, from a standpoint of points total, this is going to be a very pivotal night regardless. So it's, you know, I might feel differently after night 10 as to how much I'm looking forward to particular matches. But right now, this is, um, of all of the uh, full block tournament cards, this is probably the lowest one from a just a general excitement standpoint for me. Yeah, it's kind of a the, more of the middle of the road card, but um, Doki versus Teton, I think, is the, the main one that's catching my eye right now. Doki versus Teton looks cool. I mean, Desperado versus Eagles always delivers. Um, I'm sure Akira and Ishimori will be interesting. Yeah. And, you know, uh, for the Wheeler Utah fans out there, ELP and him might be very interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, so the twelfth match of the, or the twelfth night, and this is what next Tuesday. Yes, yeah, so this is the last uh, block nights. Yeah, so um, and this is not in order, right? Right. So uh, how it works for people who don't know the block, the final block nights, the match order is determined by point totals and who's still alive. So who's ever not alive, yes. we'll see those in the earlier parts, and then going down the card, we'll see the people who are still alive and those matches being higher stakes and meaning more. So I'm going to read this off as it's listed, but this is not the official order whatsoever. So we've got Taguchi versus Kanemaru, Yo versus Sho, Clark Connors versus Alex Zane, Ishimori versus Hiromu, and Ace Austin versus Francesco Akira. That's all A block action. In the B block, we have Doki versus Wato, Eagles versus Teton, Bushi versus Lindemann, ELP versus El Desperado and TJP versus Wheeler, Utah. And, you know, it's kind of like a cheat sheet, but generally speaking, you can usually look at the final night, see some of the um, premier matches and get a generally pretty accurate view of what the point totals might lead to because some of those matches are generally going to be A block or B block you know, um, final matches, just depending on how everything plays out. Of course, there are a lot of different scenarios, and we're pretty far from all of that as it stands right now. And unfortunately, (laughs) you know, by the time we record next week, this is all going to have occurred. So, you know, we're not going to be able to do the whole, you know, scenario A, B, C, D sort of thing. It's just going to all happen by the time we record next week we'll already know who's going into the finals. Yeah, which is uh, pretty crazy. I feel like this has moved by so fast. Yeah, and I mean, if we thought that these past couple weeks were crazy, this next week is going to be insane with all these shows. Yeah. Um, That being the the case, uh, you know, looking at the A block, let's just run down the A block finals and the B block finals here. Taguchi versus Kanemaru, to me, just screams, this does not matter. Same. Show versus Yo, though, I know that neither of them have the strongest point totals right now, but that has to be something of some sort of significance. Whether that plays into the finals or not, I don't know. But given their history, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but that leads me to believe that they're both going on big runs for the rest of the tournament, probably. Yeah. Um, Clark Connors versus Alex Zane also screams to me, this is this really doesn't matter. I wouldn't be surprised if Clark Connors gets a big win over Alex Zane to, like, sort of tie him up with some of the other competitors in this uh, tournament in that block match. Yeah, kind of end his tournament on, on a good note. Yeah, and Alex Zane has had a pretty strong tournament. I think that they set him up really strong early so he can start taking some of these big falls against guys like Hiromu and stuff like that. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. And then um, Ishimori versus Hiromu, the champion versus the top star in the uh, division and in the block, that's probably huge. Yeah, I think that's probably that's the, the biggest kind of you know highlight to me of what's going to be the main decider. And then Ace Austin versus Francesco Akira does not seem like a block decider to me. Um, but 
it do, it doesn't right now, but seeing right. how Ace Austin has been like getting a push and been winning, and how Akira is kind of like we know he's an established like character, and he's gonna have a comeback story. It seems like that could it's like a sleeper like could be a, a block decider kind of thing. Right. It's hard for me to. That's exactly what I was getting to. It's hard to tell because it's like. They're treating Alex Zane with a lot of respect in, you know, I think due to the fact that he's ex-division champion, but then Akira, you know, is one and three, but it seems like he's poised to go on a run. Um, You know, I wish we knew where things were kind of stood a little bit closer to this night. Um, My prediction, I think Ace Austin gets Francesco Akira out of there at the end. Probably. Yeah, and I think that that will... I think Ace Austin will be out of play. And Akira will be in play. And that will be the... the, Spoiler. A spoiler for him. So, with that all being the case, I'm just guessing here. Sho and Yo and Ishimori and Hiromu still end up being, like, the two most pivotal matches of A Block for that night. Yeah, that makes the most sense. And we've seen a story of... Yo knocking out Cho in previous tournaments and stopping him from going to the final. So I feel like it's kind of Cho's turn to st- stop Yo from going into a final. Yeah. Uh, as far as B block is concerned, I mean, Doki Wato, that doesn't seem to be significant in any way to me. Um, Eagles Teton, for better or worse, does not seem to be significant to me either. Um Bushi Lindemann kind of seems like one of those, you know, potential spoiler type matches. But it's again, it's Bushi, so I'm guessing Lindemann either will be in play and get spoiled here, or will not be in play at the end. And maybe this is this could be the match where Lindemann beats him to like finish with twelve, but he's already out by that point. Yeah. Um. And then TJP versus Wheeler Utah doesn't seem to be. I, I think that could be the same situation as what I just described with uh, Bushi Lindemann personally. So my guess is that ELP Desperado is like the pivotal match of B Block on that final night. Yeah, both guys have you know are three and one right now, and I can see both of those guys getting more wins and having winning records coming into this final night. So. Yeah, I think ultimately that could be a straight-up head-to-head decider. So with that being the case, um, I feel very confident that Ishimori is not going to the finals. Same. So it's either going to – so for me, it's either going to be Hiromu, Sho, or Yo versus either ELP and or Desperado. And I've always felt in most cases – that whatever block the champion is in, we've seen exceptions to this, but generally speaking, the winner does not come out of that block. Right. So I think that the two most likely winners of this tournament are either going to be ELP or Desperado. Um, and both Phantasma and Desperado straddle that Rudo heel role. And so them fight fighting either like either them fighting Yo or Hiromu makes sense, but then the show thing is kind of what 
like there was a, a, a wrench in the works. Yeah. How do you see this playing out? Honestly, I, I'm seeing them run Hiromu Desperado again for the finals. And they could definitely do that. Budokan Hall, potentially crowds could be cheering again. Like you make that a very kind of special moment for that matchup. This time, Despy wins. You win Super Juniors, and then you do the rematch of Despy and Ishimori. But Despy already beat Hiromu in a definitive fashion on January 4th this year. But he hasn't beaten him in Super Juniors final, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, There's also the fact that Sho kind of got knocked out last year and was so close. I think it's going to be... I know that... I don't know. Like, I don't want to book something that sounds like it's going to suck. Yeah, like, Sho Despy does not sound good. But it's realistic. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I think at least at this point we've kind of thrown out the scenario. Okay, like so, I think Desperado is the likely winner. But what are what are the scenarios to see with ELP? I mean, I could I could see ELP versus Hiromu being a final as well. Yeah, Russell Kingdom rematch. Yeah, so that's kind of my uh, I don't know prop procrastination or whatever the word is like for whatever the fuck it's going to be. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm def, I'm rooting for your Despi Hiromu or, or Hiromu ELP. I'm just, I'm not, I'm a little bearish on Despi Hiromu because they just recently had a big match. But again, there, the, if you were going to do a big super junior final between them now probably is the time. So maybe you're right. Yeah. Especially if there are plans to get Hiromu out of there. Yeah. Well, that is our best Super Junior coverage for this week. Going to run through uh, New Japan's strong results here uh, pretty quickly. So we had the Mutiny Tour continuing uh, this past Saturday. Uh, The show opened up with Chris Dickinson taking on Ren Narita in a 15-minute time limit draw. Um I don't know what it is, but for me, I just, I don't know. I did not really feel this match, and uh, it's kind of weird considering that these guys had um, a great match of four, but it just, I don't know. So there's something something off about this match, and I don't think it's just the, the Dickinson allegations for me, but for whatever reason, like this match um, just didn't feel as good as it should have been. You know, I... I don't necessarily agree with that. I liked this match quite a bit. The The only real criticism I have about it was the early portion of the match. Uh, Dickinson really ate up Narita, you know, and it was like all Dickinson and then Narita sort of had to make the fiery baby face come back and even things up. And then once they started clicking from that point, it was pretty hot, but like the early, at least, one third, maybe half of the match. It was all Dickinson here. Um, but I liked the match. I didn't like it as much as their first match, but I liked it a lot. Obviously, they went to the time limit draw. That is significant considering it's the first ever time limit draw they've done in strong history. But, um, you know, the whole thing with Dickinson and New Japan continues to go on. So we'll see how that goes. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, second matchup, we had Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks with Yuyamura. They defeated the factory of Aaron Solo and Nick Comoroto with QT Marshall. Uh, so continuing this rivalry that's been happening on Strong and on AW Dark, and uh, QT backfired uh, in his interference here, and LA Dojo got the win, and they set up the angle for Fredericks versus QT in Philadelphia. Yeah, the match was fine. The angle at the end was, uh, you know, kind of more significant. Um, and we'll see how that match goes and plays out and everything like that. Yeah, QT was getting so much heat. Like, he couldn't even, you can barely hear him cutting his promo. The, the, the fans were, like, booing him so loud. Yep. Uh, then the main event was United Empire, Aaron Hanare, Great Ocon, and TJP defeating Brody King, Mascar Dorada, and Taylor Russ in 14 minutes. And for seconds, a uh, big thing here, TJP once again stealing the mask of Mascara Dorada after the match. Um, and, um, you know, just kind of putting the boots to him. So they're continuing this feud with uh, TJP and Dorada. And I'm curious to see where this is going to go if we're going to get some kind of mask versus hair match between these guys. Yeah, um, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, as I've mentioned before, this United Empire group, uh, we've been giving them praise for their cohesiveness and and sort of uh just different pacing and style when it comes to multi-man tag matches and that was not the exception here at all uh, they kind of continued that trend and this match was awesome uh better than it had any right to be especially for a 14 minute match uh, i thought everybody played their role really well dorada taylor russ Brody king those guys are world class as well and um, they, were, they, they got me biting on a lot of those uh, near falls at the end there. And so I was not sure. Who, I mean, I, I assumed United Empire was going to come out on top, but they, they had me thinking otherwise a few times. Yeah, it was a really fun matchup. So uh, next week on Mutiny, we'll have the main event of United Empire's Jeff Cobb and Aussie Open taking on the TMDK team of Jonah, Shane Hayes, and Bad Dude Tito. Blake Christian will take on David Finley, and then the Stray Dog Army, Bateman, Barrett, Brown, and Mysterioso will take on Freddie Ahai, Kevin Knight, and the DKC. Nice. Well, we've got some news uh, items here. The first thing, um, you know, we have an update on Kota Ibushi, and, um, you know, the we had understood as of last week that maybe things were calming down and um, maybe the two sides were kind of reconciling. That does not seem to be the case whatsoever. And um, I read the translation of the tweets that Kota Bushi sent out. Was that today or was that yesterday? I think that was yesterday. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to speculate too much, but like from what I gather, maybe you can correct me here, Jeremy. It sounds like, uh, Abushi was served some sort of separation from the company via fax, or at least that's what Dave Meltzer speculated. And it, like it was like through text, like they. It's well, not, he he kept you, or the the translation said through the line. Right, yeah, line, and, lines that app in Japan that they use. It's a text message app. Okay, well, Dave said through fax, and I don't know. I'm not sure, but um, Abushi said one of the reasons that he's been not letting up on this and he's been pushing forward with voicing his grievances and his issues with primarily Obari as well as Kikuchi 
is because in the midst of all of this, while his mom kind of found out what was going on and how he felt like he was being exploited and mistreated by the company without any sort of apology or recognition of what he was dealing with, uh, it apparently the way he wrote it caused her to fall into like a depression and she committed or attempted to commit suicide the day after Mother's Day. So that wasn't too long ago whatsoever. Um, very, very serious stuff, if true. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, like, yeah, uh, very serious stuff. Very, very grave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not good. Yeah, and uh, Hayabusa5595 says, Kodobushi is tweeting again, and it's very grim. How bad is the potential fallout from his grievances with NJPW? And like I said, yeah, it, it can be very bad. Um, especially again, not doubting whether or not this is true, but if it's, everything is true, like it's not a good look for New Japan, and there's going to be a lot of things that have to be uh, answered, especially when it comes to Obari and Kikuchi. Well, one of the things that I also saw him tweet was he said that right now he's kind of holding his tongue on everything. I don't know. That's something you hear people say in situations like this, and it doesn't always bear out to anything. But he said that. He believes that they'll be going to court, and once he goes to court, everything will come out. So this that those don't sound like the words of somebody that expects to be working for the company anytime in the near future. So as of right now, I know this is contrary to what we thought. It seemed like maybe it was heading towards last week. They seem very far apart for a, a multitude of professional and personal reasons so yeah uh, um also will osprey was pulled out of sunday's red pro epic encounter event in london due to a kidney infection uh red pro released a statement on their website saying that uh, on thursday osprey developed what initially was thought to be food poisoning as time went on he became more ill and was eventually diagnosed with a kidney infection he was scheduled to face minoru suzuki for the red pro title uh, Suzuki went on to headline that show against Michael Oku in his uh, place instead. Uh, sounds like they're still working to make that match a future, you know, happen again in the future. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, as well, there was news where um, Kadani stated that we may lift them from the 6-3 uh, NJPW Budokan event, commenting on allowing fans to cheer. So based on that comment, based on what we've been hearing uh, from Kevin Kelly, as well as other people in the know on Twitter, uh, it sounds like for potentially the Budokan Hall event on June 3rd, they may allow people to chant and cheer for the first time in like almost two to three years. So that's very, very exciting. Dude, that's going to be so awesome. Yeah. New Japan has also confirmed that several big names will be at the Best of the Super Junior Finals on June 3rd. Uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Clark Connors, Dark, Gall- Dark-, <laughs> Dark Gallows, Doc Gallows have all been confirmed, as well as uh, Will Ospreay, Great O'Conn, Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanare, G.O.D., Tamatanga, and Tangaloa. And uh, Zack Sabre Jr. has been announced for the show as well. Uh, New Japan has also announced they're returning to Charlotte, North Carolina for the first time since 2019. They've announced the strong taping titled High Alert for the Grady Cole Center in Charlotte on Sunday, July 24th. 
No talent has been advertised for the event to this point. Tickets for the show will go on sale this Friday, May 27th at 12 p.m. Um, Eastern time, the ticket prices will range from $25 to $149. Uh, Monday's free match of the week, Yoshinobu Kenamaro versus Taiji Ishimori from November 13th, 2021, best of the Super Juniors 28. Um, and then the latest news on Otani, it is not great. He is still unable to move his body from the neck down. On June 4th, there will be a benefit show for Otani hosted by Pro Wrestling 01. Um, the Pro Wrestling 01 World Heavyweight Championship title will be defended as Takashi Sugiura versus, uh, he'll defend against Masatsu Tanaka. As well on the show, Yuji Nagata, Togi Makabe, Tomoaki Hanma, and uh, Satsuki Nagao. They will uh, wrestle Daisuke Sakamoto, Taichi Hashimoto, Kazuki Hashimoto, and uh, Yasufumi Nakanao. And that is going to do it for the news. We have some questions here, Jeremy. Yep, so Les Commission 7252 says, do you guys think we'll get the original format of the GU1 Climax tag matches before the block matches this year? Um, Possibly, but I mean, you know, we sort of got a taste of that during this year's Super Juniors, and now we're going straight to all block matches. You know, anything's possible. We definitely know that they're doing something different this year for the G1 just based on the scheduling, what it is, you know, We've speculated. It sounds like it's probably going to be expanded block fields, but we can't 100% confirm that. So, you know, until the schedules come out, we don't really know. Yeah, I would think that at least for the beginning part of the tour, there would be some of the tag matches like we saw with Super Juniors, and then maybe, who knows, maybe they're going to do some like all block nights or with having more people, there's going to take up more of the card. So we'll see when the schedule comes out. Uh, Dan, Dan Coffin asks, what kind of design do you think Liv Morgan's Bull Club shirt will have? Who? <laughs> Liv Morgan. Who's he? <laughs> I've never heard of him. Uh, Sir Sam says, who has a better... Who was a better addition to Bullet Club? Liv Morgan, Gino Gambino, Billy Gunn, or Stephen Amell? What? Not Billy Gunn. And, Billy Gunn's never been in the Bullet Club. No, he was a Bullet Club hunter. Yeah, he was a Bullet Club hunter. The only person, Stephen, Gino, Gino Gambino is the only Bullet Club member on this list. No, was Stephen Amell never part of the Bullet Club? I mean, he was Cody's friend and... Cody brought him into All In, but I don't think did he did he oh he did get the Amel Club shirt didn't he? He had an Amel Club shirt. Okay, I don't know. okay, so it's between Amel and Gino. What was the dog's name? Pharaoh. No, the other dog, the mascot. They had two mascots. Remember? Uh, you're talking about they had two. Oh, it wasn't a dog. It was well, a the bear. bear. Talking about um, Barry the drug free bear. <laughs> Barry the drug free bear. <laughs> What was the other one's name? They had the business bear. Oh, yeah. Some, something the business bear. I forget now. I'm pretty sure the business bear and the drug-free bear, <laughs> as well as Brandy and Stephen Amell, were all Cody's recruits into the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just the best. The best talent scout that there's ever been, Cody Rhodes. Incredible. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. What is the deal with Liv Morgan? She so she's, did she's, she did a two sweet with uh of AJ. Yeah, and Finn. Like she's been teaming with AJ on Raw. I'm guessing what I see on Twitter gifts and people have been freaking out that she two sweeted AJ, and everybody thinks she's Bullet Club now. Triple H two sweeted AJ Styles and and Finn Balor is he part of the Bullet Club? No, that that was a click two sweet. So that that means that AJ is part of the click now. Sasha Banks, too sweet, and both of them as well on screen in kayfabe. Is she uh, part of the book club? Nah, she she left the company. She okay. she, she walked out in Raw, so she she can't be a part of book club. Okay, Bailey, too sweet, and both of them on screen as well. Is she part of the book club? Damn, I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. Those guys aren't even. Those guys aren't in the book club. They work for WWE. We're you know, dreams die and souls get crushed. Yeah, but apparently there there are legit some people out here trying to get a Liv Morgan Bull Club thing going. So I, I'm a, I'm upset. You know who I'm upset with? Dan and Sir Sam. Why the fuck are you guys asking me <laughs> terrible questions about Liv Morgan wasting my time on my show, the Ace Podcast? Like, what the fuck? Oh man. Well, let's end here with a recommended match of the week. Uh, so last week for uh, my excursion match of the week pick, I recommended uh, June Kasai and Tomioka Hanma against Doki and El Esperado from Takataichi Mania 2.5. Yeah, I watched that just before we got on the air, and uh, what a wild fucking match. <laughs> um it's definitely, I think it's definitely a recommended match, and it's probably a candidate for um, Excursion Match of the Year. I definitely liked this better than the uh, June Kasai um, Desperado match from a couple years ago. Although these two matches are connected in kayfabe because of the attire that. Uh, Desperado decided to wear, plus the ongoing rivalry between him and Jun Kasai. But, um, you know, it did start a little slow, but it th- this was your standard spot fest. But, you know, when I say spot fest, I don't mean like a high-flying spot fest. I just mean like your hardcore garbage wrestling spot fest. It was like, you know, table spot after like skewer spot after guy gets dropped on like fucking you know i don't know aluminum foil cans and lego it was just crazy it was just you know violence for violence sake and everyone was bleeding and there was no blade jobs everyone got cut open by someone else um i'm i'm really shocked that they were allowed to go out there and do this kind of violent match just before um super like literally days before super juniors started uh and Big big move after big move, big spot after big spot. Guys diving through tables. If you haven't seen it, it's it's a spectacle. This is really really crazy match. Um, I liked it a lot. You know, it brought out the ghoul side of me. It brought out my inner Dan Coffin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, this match um, was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty wild. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way. You need to check this match out. And um, they kept trying to put Doki down, and he kept kicking out. Junkasai's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, the the one crazy when he was like, he was like Tiger Driver Destroyer, and he like did a dis- he did a Tiger Driver Destroyer through a bunch of like uh, 
chairs. Like it was yeah, out of cold spots. It was yeah. And that wasn't even the finish. That was I like, know. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that was oh, and that was off like the second rope too. Yeah. Crazy. Like, yeah. Those guys killed each other. Yeah. So I love this match a lot. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's gonna be some stiff competition for excursion match of the year this year for yeah. sure. So yeah. If you haven't seen it, I went. I don't know. I'm four and a half on it. Yeah, I swear about it. Where I went on, went on it. I liked it a lot. Very violent. Check it out. And then your pick for recommended match of the week was Kota Ibushi versus Shinsuke Nakamura from G1 Climax 23. Holy crap! This match was freaking incredible. Yeah, I, never, I had not seen this match before. You didn't know there was a first match, did you? Oh my god! I probably realized they wrestled before, but oh my god! Am, am I? You think I'm crazy when I say I like this match better than the Wrestle Kingdom match? After I watched it, I don't think you're crazy. That, <laughs> bro, I'm going the full five on it, bro. That match was so. Oh my, bro! Just the pace of the match, the, the counters. Abushi was like unreal in this match. It was like he's still like kind of coming off the junior run. He's, so he, he's still in his junior role. Yeah, so he's, he's doing all the crazy flips and springboards and dives. And, bro, the, the closing sequence where Nakamura just keeps hitting this man Kinshasa's and he keeps yep. kicking out. He kicks yep. out a one off of a super Kinshasa off the top rope. Like, what yeah. is going on here? Or I should say, Bomayes. I forgot this is the you know New Japan Nakamura. But um, dude, just he kept kicking out. I was like, dude, I lost it after the super Bomaye. and and then he did another one. He kicked out again. I was like, oh my god, like this man wouldn't stay down. Finally, another Bomaye finally put him down. Oh my gosh, dude, this match was just. And then Abushi just with the springboards, uh, flipping. I can't, I don't even know some of the stuff he was doing. Like, dude, this match was just. So incredible! Like everybody, you need definitely this is a bona fide classic recommended match. Like if you didn't watch it last week, you need to go watch Nakamura and Ibushi from G One Twenty Three Twenty Thirteen. It's on New Japan World. Watch it. Definitely. So I'm glad you liked it. Well, I knew you'd like it, but uh, yeah, I mean that might be the strongest sell you've ever done for a recommended <laughs> match of the week. So you guys are listening. You made it this far. You're the you're the real ones. You're the diehards. Go watch that match. Even if you've seen it, you know it's great. If you haven't seen it, learn what the rest of us already know. <laughs> yes. Uh, now for our picks this week for uh, recommended match of the week, I'm going back to Invasion Attack 2015. The cleaner, Kenny Omega defending his IWGP Junior Championship against Mascara Dorada. Nice. Um for the excursion match of the week, I have picked the impact title match between Josh Alexander and Tomohiro Ishii from this year's Under Siege 2022. Good news, it is available on NJPW World, so that makes it even easier to watch. Nice. I've been hearing excellent things about that matchup, so definitely looking forward to uh, watching that this week. And that's going to wrap things up for us here this week on Keeping It Strong Style. Next week, we'll be back to discuss the latest on best of the Super Juniors 29 and give our final previews for the final show and then potentially look at uh, stuff coming up for Dominion as well. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate 
and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash social suplex. Also, you can find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at suplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. You already know. We itch a bond. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.